Lucha de Mayo continues here on Monster Kid Radio. It's episode 370 of the podcast devoted to the classic and sometimes not so classic genre cinema of yesteryear. I'm your writer, host, producer, Derek M. Cook, and big thanks to the band Los Espantos for letting us play their song Ray Del Ring here on the show. You can find them at losespantos.bandcamp.com. The album is also called Los Espantos. They're a surf band based out of Argentina. They're awesome. Check out their album when you're done listening to this podcast because we've got some more awesome stuff to talk about this week. We started talking with Mark Peterson last week about Santo and Dracula's treasure. Well, that conversation was a really long one because we ended up talking about two movies. So you're going to hear the second half of that conversation this week when he and I talk about a movie that, uh, you know, I'm just going to call Santo and Blue Demon Against the Monsters. It's from 1970. Of course, it's got a Spanish title, but uh, I can't speak Spanish. I'm going to let Mark try to tackle that in the conversation that you're going to hear in a little bit. Mark Peterson is the man behind Dr. Tongue's I Had That Shop, and it was a thrill to finally have him on the show. I know he's been listening for a while. He's been supporting the show, so it was really good to have him on the show talking about a movie that he's passionate about. And this one, well, it elicits a lot of passion. Also in this show, we have the next installment of Michael Dodd's Vault of Monster Collectibles. So that's coming up. That'll be read by my amazing wife, Brenda, who will also be joining us in this week's episode for the feedback at the end of the show. Also, as a bonus, Jason Giaconetti, fellow podcaster, sent in his own version of the Classic Five that he played with his dad. That was a lot of fun and really cool that somebody who just isn't even here on the show wanted to play the Classic Five with somebody. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, I'm going to make sure the Classic 5 decks are available for people. We're watching them at Monster Bash. Fingers and tentacles crossed. You can get your own. But in the meantime, I hope you enjoy that segment with Jason. Well, there's a lot to get to this week. I want to get to it. I'm tired of this jibber-jabber. Let's get to it. Mark Peterson and Blue Demon and Santo and a whole bunch of monsters right after this. Bursting out of today's headlines, the spine-tingling tale of an invader from the distant reaches of the universe. There is no doubt that a large object landed here and disappeared. Incredible. The sphere's changing. It's going unbearable. I can't stand it any longer. I'm going to get him out of there. I don't think any human mind thought it up. And I don't believe any human hand built it. A fantastic creature armed with superhuman power, kidnapping beautiful girls to satisfy his primitive lust for violence and savagery. Blood Beast from Outer Space. For the shock of your life, yeah. see Blood Beast from Outer Space. Help me. Help me. Who knows what eyes are watching her? Watching, 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 watching. Watch. Mary, no! God, let go! go. Mm, I simply don't understand it. Of course, the sound is coming from the basement. It's all right, I've got you, Mr. Adam. No, no. Show me what? 
Gotta get away from those eyes! Get away! Get away! George, get away. no! Are you attracted to the dark? Fascinated by the dramatic? With a side of gruesome and a dash of poetic justice? If your happy place is a gloomy room at midnight, then you should be listening to the podcast 12 Chimes It's Midnight. Please join us, won't you, for plays of mystery, horror, and suspense. Find us and subscribe wherever you procure your podcasts. And remember, at midnight, anything can happen. Too bad. Poor man. But it's his own fault. We warned him. We told him to close his eyes when he heard this sound. During the running of the motion picture, The Telltale Heart, Edgar Allan Poe's classic tale of terror. Look, are you squeamish? Then be honest with yourself. Close your eyes and don't look at the screen until this sound stops. There's a good reason for this warning. You see, you take the chance of forever hearing the telltale heart in your nightmares. He hasn't stopped screaming in two weeks. The Telltale Heart, coming soon to this theater. Hello, Monster Kid Radio Universe, and welcome to Bots, Bugs, and Babe Take the Classic Five. I'm your host, Mr. Jason Jacknetti, and I'm joined by my dad, Mr. Al Jacknetti. Hi, Jay. Let's get started. All right. So I don't have fancy cards to be shuffling uh, because the deck's not available yet, but I have my paper and I wrote them down. Now, here we go. First question up is, what classic monster movie did they not make a sequel to that should have one? In my opinion, The Land Unknown. In 1947, the bird expedition to the South Pole reported a warm water oasis deep inside the icy Antarctic. This is the story of another expedition and of what might be found... what might happen today in that remote, unexplored last frontier on Earth. Unchained since prehistoric times, the land unknown. The monsters, the, the dinosaurs are still there, the creatures are still there, and they fly away. They could go back, and with today's technology, they could make one hell of a movie. Yeah. Thinking about what movie, I mean, I would like to see, you know, I mean, it'd be great to see one through, I guess, those are prequels, a one through six of the Sinbad, you know, the seventh, yeah. the seventh voyage, you know, kind of thing. A prequel to It to Terror Me on Space would be great. Um, but for a sequel, um, I mean, you could make a sequel to. 20 million miles to earth where they go back to venus like where they know that's there and they're going back to get more you know or whatever kind of thing the airship xy-21 which crashed into the mediterranean sea on the 11th was a single stage astro-propelled rocket launched 13 months ago from a site within the united states the rocket with its complement of 17 men had landed on the planet venus venus the planet venus Some of you may also have heard the story of a monster now confined here in Rome Zoo. That beast is from Venus. All right, second question up uh, is Bird-Eye Gordon or Roger Corman? Uh, Roger Corman, uh, without question. The Bird Gordon movies, uh, his budget was $1.69. At least Roger Corman had a few more bucks to work with. Yeah, I agree. I mean, Roger Corman, he made all the classic Poe movies with vincent price and he made all i mean roger corman i mean even now roger corman movies um he's producing them 
Um, and whether you like all this stuff like that, those are all still under his banner and Sharktopus and things like that. The Bird Eye Gordon movies have their place. I mean, but to me, a Roger Corman movie, I knew a little more what I was going to get quality wise out of there. The Burt Gordon movie, the one I remember the most, that was the biggest disappointment for me was the Magic Sword. There's mm-hmm. a there's a three headed dragon in there. Yeah, that is. I mean, it looks. That's like, real flames. Yeah, yeah, real flame shooting out of that thing. It, yeah. it looks like a a balloon that's been blown up and it's it's floating in the wind. Yeah. All right. Question number three: What is your favorite Ray Harryhausen creation? Wow. Favorite Ray Harryhausen creation. You want to think, and I'll I got mine. Go Mine's I, easy. Well, I, I, I've got two. Okay. I mean, What's two? I've got two. I mean. If I had to choose between the two, one would be the Retosaurus, which was is just a spectacular creation. But to me, I think that the Hydra is the one I, I like the most. It is so intricate and and detailed, and the way it moves, um, I just loved it. I wish there was a a toy that I could have played with when I had seen it. I mean, we I've I've actually built the the resin model of it, right? But it's a static thing. Yeah. So. For me, for years, it would have been an easy one. I would have said the Cyclops because I love the Cyclops or been maybe the Emir. But as I've gotten older and watched, you know, the Harry Harryhausen movies again, I appreciate Talos more and more. Talos is my absolute favorite creature. I know some people think like, oh, it's just a it's just a metal guy walking. Right. It's looks like real metal and it, it looks real. It's, it's Harryhausen brought such life into a uh, creature that had no emotions on his face that can't do anything. The death throws at the end when he grabs his throat, we talked about this when we talked about King Kong, is the end of King Kong. When he grabs his throat when he's dying on the beach, that's the end of Kong from 33. So to me, I mean, it's Talos. I love, I mean, there's, I don't think there's a bad one in the bunch. Yeah. I think the hardest ones, uh, the, 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 the Hydra fight scene was super hard to film for Harryhausen with the different tails and the heads. The children of the Hydra fight scene is insane with oh. the aerial braces and stuff like that. Um, but to me, the, the scene with Talos, just, just them running away from him as he turns the corner because he has to. He doesn't have joint hip joints. He just has to like wheel around the corner. Just great. Now, from the makers of Sinbad, Columbia Pictures presents Jason and the Argonauts, the mightiest band of warriors the world has ever known. Turn back, Jason. We're trapped. Sailing to the ends of the earth, battling against an incredible number of obstacles. Where will you find this miracle? I have heard there is a tree at the end of the world with a fleece of gold hanging in its branches. In search of the fabulous magic golden fleece, Jason and the Argonauts, caught in the clutches of the towering bronze giant Talos, battered by treacherous falling rocks, taming vulturous harpies, facing the dreaded seven-headed Hydra. Okay, so number four. Pair up any two classic monster movies to make a double feature. Wow. Any two? Any two. Okay. Yeah. Well, to me, them would be one. Mm-hmm. And I would say the the, the Beast from 20,000 Fathoms, because if, if you watch the two those two movies together, obviously you're going to love them, and you won't be disappointed with the second one. Usually when you went to see a double feature when I was young, the second one was a grade B, just a sure, schlock yeah. thing that right. was just added on to pad out the 50 cents you paid to get in. Right. I could say the easy answer would be, uh, you know, Godzilla, uh, Gojira and King Kong. That's an easy one. Or how about Dracula and Frankenstein is an easy one. Or how about Curse of Frankenstein and Horror of Dracula? But the thing is, you said them already. Because I mean, every time I pick a double feature, them and, and then, you know. So how about, uh, let's think a little differently. Let's think, how about we go with It the Terror from Beyond Space 
right? So you're talking very, you know, it's it's outer space. It's a very tight movie shot and a little, you know, kind of thing. And you could pair that up with, um, so you want something that's now broader. So like Valley of Guanji would be, you know, two movies you could watch back to back can be any more different apart, you know, kind of thing from real tight inside space to being the Wild West. But if I had to pick two and I'm and go sit down and watch it, how about Seven Voyages Sinbad? And Jason and the Organauts. Oh, That's the easy one. I know I took an easy way out, folks. But Dad stole them because I would put them and It's Terrible Me on Space, and I could watch that every day. You know, just those two of my favorite movies to watch. I mean, you could even. I mean, I could pair them with the, the Black Scorpion, and then oh, you'd have yeah. you'd have two insect movies, which is Willis O'Brien doing the Black Scorpion, Scorpion. right? And see, I think too, you could pair the Black Scorpion with pair that up with a Harryhausen movie to have the right. two masters of uh, stop motion. You know, I know there's some debate always like, who did it better? Is it Harryhausen or, or you know, or Willis O'Brien? I mean, like, obviously there is no Harryhausen without Willis O'Brien. And I think Harryhausen took it to the beyond the next level um, of what Willis O'Brien had available to him, you know, kind of thing. And I think that's what it's, you see what he did with King Kong in 33. And then what the Black Scorpion is, what, 57, 58? Yeah. You know, you see then, like, you know, the tech, he was an older man by that point, obviously, he only dying a few years later. But you could see what Wills O'Brien's his skill that was there. But yeah, I mean, there's a lot of movies you could pair together. If you had to like limit it down to a year, it might be much tougher to do. Like right. we were talking, if you were pairing it down, what was like you said, like 1949, it'd be what? Like Mighty Joe Young and, and Abbott Costello and Frankenstein. And right there, I guarantee you, if they showed that, there would be a lot of butts and seats, you yes. know, kind of thing. So last question. Um, this one might not be in the actual deck, but I snuck it in. So here we go. Favorite Marshall Thompson movie, It the Terror from Beyond Space or Fiend Without a Face? Uh, it's It. It's It. Yeah. I mean, even though even though it's it's considered to be the precursor to Alien, mm-hmm. uh, it, it holds up. It's it's all done in a very claustrophobic uh, atmosphere inside the, uh, the 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 confines of the spaceship. But uh, it 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 was well done. And if I had to choose between those two, I would take that. Fiend Without a Face is fine, but there's these flying. I mean, I, that's not one of my favorite movies. So if I had to choose between those two, you it was it was a no-brainer for me. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you've heard me already talk about it here. And just in the last question, it's Harry Potter on Space, one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, Female Without a Face is is good. I think Female Without a Face is for the iconic imagery of the brain, the the actual creeping brain wins out with that because it has you know the little feelers and the, all the stuff that goes along with it. But for a movie, for movie, I think I would take it Terror me on Space any day compared to Fiend Without a Face. Both are great movies and both, uh, you know, 1958 movies from Marshall Thompson. So he was kind of busy uh, dealing with that stuff. So that's it for us, folks, uh, here from Bots, Bugs, and Babes. So until next time, keep watching the skies. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is Jason Giaconetti. You may recognize my voice from the Vault of Starling Monster Horror Tales of Terror. And if you don't, you should be listening. But today I need to ask you a few questions. Do you like big bugs and you cannot lie? Other robots just can't deny that when the Queen of Space walks in and puts a blast in your face that your gears get sprung? Are you deep in the bee we're sharing? Are you hooked and you can't stop staring? If you answered yes to any of these questions, then have I got a podcast for you. Bots, Bugs, and Babes, the B-Movie Podcast. From classics to cults and all the yummy, yummy cheese in between. Look for my new show, Bots, Bugs, and Babes on the Two True Freaks Network and on iTunes. That's Bots, Bugs, and Babes, the B-Movie Podcast. Double J on the Triple B is your hookup. Holler if you hear me.
possessor of the magic sword. By its powers, I will lead you on the seven great adventures, each one mightier than the others. Together we will go where no man has ever gone, into the land of terror itself, where the Superman of evil is king. Let no man face my seven curses and reach the dragon's lair. Together we will dare the demons of the green flame. See the white-hot face of the fiery rock. Enter the mammoth cave that closes behind you, where humans are trapped and tombed. Brave the volcanic inferno of the boiling crater. See the miracle of the magic sword. Battle the gigantic ogre. Gaze into the magic pool. See the enchanted beauty, enslaved by the master of the black arts. Meet Sybil, the weirdest witch who ever brewed up a cauldron of spells. I wonder what Sybil's cooking up. Witches of Hecate, black and black, demons of shame, flesh on the rack. See the attempted rescue from the sorcerer's castle. See the terrors of the dungeon torture chamber. See the terrifying fate of the shrunken people, cast under an evil spell by Lodak, greatest magician of them all. See the two-headed dragon of Lodak that no mortal ever faced and lived. Thrilled to the hilt by the magic sword, none like it since the world began. The 2,000-year-old legend Hollywood waited until now to tell. The magic sword. points the way to an experience human eyes have never before seen. Earlier this evening, I saw what looked like a small meteor drop into the desert not far from here. You mean it could have been a spaceship? Robert Clark is the scientist caught between vicious gangsters and the astounding she-monster. Here is a power that frightens the deer in the forest, terrifies fearless dogs, a woman so intriguing that her face and figure fascinate every man. The woman whose warmth consumes. But the astounding she-monster is no more to be feared than beasts of our own underworld. In case you get any more cute ideas, that's an example of If you're not too afraid, make a date with the woman you'll never forget. A woman impervious to bullets.
I am Dracula, and I bid you welcome to the podcast devoted to the classic, and sometimes not so classic, genre cinema of yesteryear. And I offer you this warning. Sometimes Derek and his guests get excited, and they may spoil a movie or two. You know how excited monster kids can get sometimes. If Monster Kid Radio spoils a movie for you, do not come whining to me. I cannot stand whines. Speaking of color luchador movies, I don't think you can get more colorful than uh, Santo and Blue Demon Against the Monsters, which... (laughs) Now, if if you thought Treasure of Dracula was a hot mess, this is a dumpster fire. Oh, but I love it, man. What monster movie has Frankenstein with a Fu Manchu uh, mustache drive at a convertible? Come on! Yeah, it's like this Cadillac... Oh, that's what... (laughs) That's we'll skip ahead on that, but it's like okay, we've got the two doctors, Doctor Halder and his brother. Uh-huh. Um, we've got Dracula, we've got the Wolfman and Frankenstein. Who's driving? Well, stick Frankenstein behind the wheel. <laughs> what? <laughs> that's a road oh, that's, trip I want to go on. Yeah, I know <laughs> exactly, and that's later in the movie. That's, you oh. know, that's so it's like you imagine what happens between the beginning and then. <laughs> It is um this is this is an amazing, amazing movie. This is one of my oh, fav- love it. favorite films ever. I've watched it <laughs> I watch it about once a year. Wow. And I've had the disc since it first came out. And it was uh Cinemexico? Oh, I'd have to double check. Anyway, yeah, it's it's it, it when it came out on Amazon, I wanna say like ten years ago, I was on it like a fly on garbage. It was I mean like <laughs> seriously. I'm just like, oh my god, that's available. It's subtitled. It's not dubbed. It was never dubbed and released into the states. So that was one of those that a lot of people hadn't seen. So I was so excited when that got put out on. Yes. That I was just like, oh my god, I got it. I immediately ripped it open, stuck it in the DVD player, and sat mesmerized for an hour and a half. It's it's a hypnotic <sighs> film. There's just so much happening here. Uh, longtime listeners of the show will know that I've actually talked about this movie briefly in the past. A few years ago, the Hollywood Theater here was doing a series of showing these luchador monster movies, and this was one of them. So we, we crashed to the theater. We saw this film and talked about it before and after. We didn't give the movie the solid episodic treatment that we do here on the show these days, but we did talk about it before, but I got to talk about it again. Oh yeah. I actually listened to that episode when, when yeah. you said, well, we had talked about it before, but it was a, it was a, a monster kid radio crashes, you yeah. know, the screening. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I listened to it. I'm like, well, yeah, it, it was almost like everybody was in shock. What the yeah. heck was that? You know, it's like, Oh, yeah. I loved it. But what was that? What did we just see? And yep. I was just like, I was laughing because I'm just like, when you watch the movie for the first time, that is the effect of that film. It's such a, a wonderful uh, mess of a film, but in the best way possible. Now, this movie does start with what I kind of alluded to uh, in the last movie that we talked about, that you've got all the characters showing up on screen and their name one at a time. It's like a roll call. Yeah. <laughs> You yeah, know, well, Dracula, I, Frankenstein, the vampire woman, the wolfman, the mummy. And, and, and it's not Frankenstein, it's Frankenstein. Well, okay. Okay, is that, is that what actually, what, it, what, it, what is that the translation of Frankenstein? Or were they just afraid they were going to get sued by Universal? I, I don't know what their concern was. I mean. Frankenstein. Hey, why not? Yeah. Why not? It's honestly, it's a flat top Frankenstein with a Fu Manchu mustache and beard. 
That's a good idea. Good luck. You know, actually, speaking of good looks, though, I loved the Dracula in this. Oh, good Lord. The vampire? (laughs) Oh, he's great. (laughs) I was going to – yeah. Now, did you notice he jumped everywhere? Yes. You never saw him really walk? It was like he was always perched on something ready to jump on somebody. Yep. Okay. But then during the fight scenes, I don't know if you picked this up with him. He was not engaged in fisticuffs in any way. He was trying to bite everybody. <laughs> go back, go back and watch the film again in the fight scenes. It's like he's trying to put the bite on everybody. He's not physically involved in like punching and stuff like this. It's like him walking around with his mouth going, ah, I'm gonna bite you. <laughs> with the cape, you know, the cape up, and then he had that little derby on that he was wearing, which I thought was very uh had a, it was a good look. Oh. Of course, not to mention that he's he was bald. Did you, I don't know if you saw that. The, the hat actually got knocked off in one of the fight scenes, and he was bald. The guy's name was David Alvizu, and that was his, I believe, was his only screen credit. That's the only thing that I can find. And I've actually gone and, and tried to find more about this guy because I would love to you know learn more about him, know more about him, uh, talk to him, even though I don't speak Spanish. I just, right. this guy, yeah. there's, just, there's just something about this character, this, this vampire character that he portrayed that I adore. I am honestly, I'm going to put this out there. I'm guessing he's a relative. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you need to, you need to use your, your, your nephew. He needs a job. Okay. Uh, you're about the right height. Get some makeup on you. Do the ears fit? Do the ears fit? Just, okay. As you're as in. Long as, as long as, the, and then the rubber ears, that was also awesome. <laughs> the Spock ears. Yes. You know, the vampire Spock style ears. So. Yeah, so yeah. I, I was calling him Dracula. They never call him Dracula. He's no, just the, the vampire. vampire. Yeah. El Vampiro. El Vampiro, which will get me started because that's another great film. <laughs> the Vampire. Yeah. Oh, man. But yeah, I mean, like the whole, like, I mean, might as well just, and they're walking down a hill shrouded in fog. You know, you've got, oh, and then the mummy. Like, the mummy looks like a burn victim. The mummy, I I love mummy movies. I mean, that's kind of my, you know, I love a good mummy movie. I don't care where it's from, what it, you know, I just love me a good mummy movie. This mummy is probably the least intimidating mummy I've ever seen. It, yeah, you know, the funny thing is that when I mentioned, I think I mentioned where I got involved with these in the famous monsters, the one picture looks like, it, it, honestly, swear to God, it looks like John Carradine wrapped in bandages. Yes, he does. He has a very Carradine look. Yes, he does. So it's like, I, was like, I always thought, I was like, that John Carradine wrapped up in a mummy suit? Oh, so but no. yeah, so the mummy and there's what they call the wolf man, El Lobo, who honestly looks like a homeless man with a, mo- a nose on. <laughs> I, I was actually and then the funny thing is, I thought that I'm like, OK, he's he's this disheveled man wearing like this really large, bulbous plastic nose. Mm-hmm. And that's it. I mean, honestly, that's it. He's, he's got these very awkward fangs in his mouth. Yeah. And that's about it. Yeah. yeah. So I was I was doing some research on that. And actually, I, there was a blog post. I don't know if you saw it. And the guy actually nicknamed him El Hobo Lobo. <laughs> and I'm like, how fitting? Because I honestly thought he was, he looked, I mean, he looked like a street person. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, the funny thing is, that guy was in a ton of films. A ton of movies, a ton of luchador films, a ton of non-luchador films. Uh, I'm like, I was surprised the filmography. I did a little research. I'm like, are you kidding me? Uncredited, yeah. uncredited, uncredited. He was in this film, this film, this film. He was in a lot of films. 
a lot and a lot of like you know genre film yeah, a lot of genre film um he and the guy who played the mummy actually appeared in another movie together house of madness okay but which was i think the last film the mummy person is credited with but yeah he did a lot of genre film a lot of luchador movies uh, um i think even pre-santo stuff i mean he, oh yeah no yeah back in going back into the 50s yeah los sombro vengadora sure um uh, vincente lara was the guy's name yeah did a lot of work a lot of work up through the 80s yes or, or at least into 1980 but yeah lots of stuff and <laughs> I don't understand that Wolfman. And, and I mentioned earlier, I don't have a lot of Paul Nashy in me. Right. But he does strike me as like a bargain basement Paul Nashy Wolfman type guy. No, I wouldn't even go there. Oh, really? Yeah, no. Uh, Daninsky has a lot more than I am not a huge Nashy fan. I can uh-huh. I can sit and watch his films. They're nice. Like I said, I'm a B movie junkie. So, yeah, I have to. But yeah, I that I don't I don't see that at all. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, I really don't. I don't. Okay. I mean, honestly, it goes back to, um, um, you're going to know the name of the movie before I am, but the Glenn Strange, George Zuko film. In a forgotten mansion deep in a dismal swampland, a scientist, crazed by his lust for revenge, repairs the last detail of a diabolical death plan. A few moments ago, Petro was a man, a harmless, good-natured man. Look at him now. He's no longer human. He's a wolf, snarling, ferocious, lusting for the clear. The beast strikes swiftly. The first of four violent fiendish murders. Into this crime-ridden situation, a reporter finds the biggest story of his career. What should make a gory enough story for your paper? This is more than just a story to me. He was my friend. Joined by the girl he loves, these two follow the gruesome trail of the mad monster. Every lead proves false. Then, one night, a strange, ominous power draws this girl to a rendezvous with death. into the kind of half ape thing monster that that's the kind of the look i think they were going okay okay i could see that uh and then of course it brings us to uh my favorite monster in the whole thing you recently posted not too long ago uh a picture of you holding an action (laughs) figure of this guy it's the cyclops it's the cyclops from from is it ship of monsters ship of monsters it's the cyclops from ship of monsters with a mohawk (laughs) or minus the mohawk yeah, because in Chip of Monsters, yeah. He had the mohawk, and in this one, it's like, it's the suit. Now, I am positive it is the exact same suit. I've done side-by-side looks. The suit in this movie versus the monsters is in such terrible shape. You can see in certain points of the movie, especially like during the last, like when the lab's blowing up, you mm-hmm. can see the suit falling off the guy. Yeah, it's in pretty rough shape. It is. And then the close-ups, like, you know, you know, close-ups of the head, you know, making a mouth and stuff. And obviously it's some guy's hand inside moving the mouth, you know, (laughs) (laughs) so yeah, uh, his name in in Ship of Monsters was Uck, UK, Uck. He was just known as the, the Cyclope. 
in this movie. But here's a little bit of background on that. And you, you probably know this. Gerardo Zabeda played him. Mm-hmm. He also played another famous wrestling women movie. Oh, which one? He was Monstro in Bloody Apes. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, so, yeah, he was he was the, the, the monstrous ape creation. Okay. And <laughs> the other thing is, he's one of the zombies, the, the green-faced zombies walking around. I saw that, too. And, and I suppose if you're going to wear a suit, you can, <laughs> you yeah, can yeah. save money on hiring somebody else because... Oh, yeah. You know, okay, is today a makeup day or a suit day? You yeah, know, it's exactly, for the exactly. Or maybe yeah. both. Yeah, true, yeah. But yeah, so the guy the guy got two paychecks for that movie. <laughs> I don't know how many paychecks really went around for this movie. Yeah, but, I, you know. Um, and I don't mean that negative. I mean, it's just no, yeah, a charm, yeah. you know. it's. <laughs> I mean, the, Cyclops, the Cyclops is awesome. Yeah. And I think I even mentioned this when we talked about this movie years ago on the show that – I didn't know where he came from. Was he supposed to be a creature from the Black Lagoon stand-in? I didn't know at that point. I didn't get the ship of monsters things, and I wasn't in it as much as I am now. Right. Uh, so knowing where he came from was interesting. The one monster that I'm still baffled by, though, and I don't think he's in the opening credit introduction bit. No. But there's that short dude with the exposed brain. Yeah. Uh, in, uh, in the doctor's lab. Also from Ship of Monsters. Yeah. Like, what is he doing? He just stands around. Tegula was his name in Ship of Monsters. You see him in the background just wandering around the lab like a lost child. Yeah. My guess is uh, – and it looked like a lost child wearing the suit if you – I mean, honestly, it was so <laughs> – and the head's hanging down. It's like – and at the end of Ship of Monsters, the, the original Tagula, his brain got blown up. So I'm pretty sure that it was like one of those things where they were walking around a warehouse – costume warehouse and we're like, oh what are we gonna do well we need a creature from black lagoon but we don't have the money to make the suit oh what's this cyclops thing and i think the same thing they just kind of threw tag in there just for filler you know <laughs> he's, he's one of the failed experiments of dr halder either that or you know again it's somebody's kid came to work that day and, and nobody had the heart to tell him to get out of the shot yeah, exactly it's like he was you know he was over in the prop department and he you know oh this is kind of a cool costume they put it on and wandered onto the set and they had him in a couple of shots and so they had to keep him <laughs> you mentioned zombies uh let's see i, th- I think we got them all didn't we, we the, I, the wolf man the oh, vampire oh, women you got two vampire women yeah which show up late in the movie very uh, late yeah it's kind of like an afterthought almost but, I felt they, like. uh, but they, if you if you picked up on it uh, one of them was the girl that he put the bite on in the first part of the film. Yeah. So they turned into vampire brides and there you go. Oh, we got the little hunchback assistant. I suppose that, that we, yeah. Waldo. Yeah, Waldo. Sit down, Waldo. Uh, <laughs> Santanon. That's the guy's name that played him. Santanon. And I'm sure I'm probably saying this wrong, but he was actually, he had, uh, I want to say there was like he had like three film credits. Yeah. The most notorious one was Isle of the Snake People with Karloff. You know, I was about to say years ago, I used to do a segment called the Creature Connection on the Mimiverse Audio podcast where I would link movies to the creature from the Black Lagoon from two or three steps. And uh, Christopher Mim challenged me to link Ship of Monsters to Creature. And Ooh. I went this this convoluted way, you know, kind of, you know, got to Lost Vampiras somehow to get John Carradine to the Universal movies. I could have just gone this route because, yeah. you know, you, you got this guy who was in this movie with the monsters from Ship of Monsters, who's also in a Karloff film, and then from Karloff you get to Universal and you can get to Creature. But yeah, I, I didn't even see that connection at the time and kind of mind-blown by it now. You knew it was one of his last. One of actually. his last. It was released posthumously, wasn't it? 
Uh, I believe so. This is one I, of the, the Mexican movies that he didn't shoot in Mexico. Right. They would, they would shoot the majority of the film down in Mexico and then come up and film his scenes and stuff in, in LA. Yeah. And then, uh, cut it all together. Yeah. You know, Hey, the man was acting and that's what he did for a living. It's what he loved to do. I don't fault him. No. So, Hey, you know, yeah, I'll watch a bad Karloff movie over a great, I don't know, almost anything else. It's, it's Karloff. So, yeah. So I agree. Yeah. I, um, yeah, I'm on a comma. I'm, I'm on team Karloff all the way. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Waldo is this, the, 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 I don't know if you want to call him a hunchback. Well, he's got <laughs> that. He's something. He's got this he's thing. He's back. I don't, I'm like, I was like, can somebody pinch that pimple on that guy's back? It's, it's huge. It's, it's like, I think they were trying to make him into a hunchback and it just kind of kept falling down and kept sliding down. Yeah. It didn't fit. So they just left it. I mean, you know, you don't take two, you don't do two takes. I mean, you've blown the lab up. You can't do it twice. <laughs> right. And I know Mark, you haven't heard this episode, but uh, chronologically listeners will have heard the episode where Frank children and I talked about champions of justice. Oh, yes. And during that episode, I, I made it pretty clear. I don't know what the quote unquote politically correct term is now to refer to people. I was thinking uh, exact same thing. <laughs> you know, I don't know. So if I've offended anybody, I apologize. I, I don't know. Uh, but in Mexico, part of the luchador tradition is the minis, and it's it's people of short stature. It's whatever the proper term is. El Paquito. Uh, yeah, they wrestle. Yes. And, and I don't know if this guy was a wrestler or if this guy was an actor or both. Who knows? But, I mean, it's it's part of the genre and to have that represented in here. Now, he doesn't wrestle in this movie. No. He he is the assistant to, to the doctor. He brings the villain back, the main doctor, back to begin with. Right. And basically, the storyline is – Dr. Halder, Dr. Bruno Halder has been killed by apparently Santo and his, his brother. Halder's brother. Halder's Otto Halder, who was played by Ivan Ratto. Um, And it's really convoluted. So Waldo goes and takes some of these zombies that they've made and take Dr. Halder's body back to the lab and reanimate him. And the first thing he wants, Dr. Halder wants to do is take revenge on Santo and Otto, his brother, and his niece, Gloria. Played by Hetty Blue. <laughs> I love that name. Which is a great name. Yep. And I think this is the, it may be the only Luchador monster movie she did, but she did a handful of other movies. Her first credited film is something called Muchachas, Muchachas, Muchachas. Yes, I saw from that. From 1968, <laughs> uh, which... I kind of want to see. It seems like a goofy kind of comedy. Uh, these women break down in Guanajuato and they get somebody to uh, stop and help them with their car. They wait, wait, take wait, off pretty much all their clothes. In Guanajuato? Guanajuato, Mexico. Yeah. What, what is it else is in Guanajuato? That's well, the, the, I know, right? It's where all the mummies are. Right? Exactly. <laughs> well, except for the one in this movie. But, well, yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> I'm sorry. I want to see machachas, machachas, machachas is what I'm saying. That's awesome. So I love her. Um, and when they introduce her in the beginning of the movie, I love her little pirouette that she does. Yeah. It's like this little, I'm here and I'm fabulous. And it's just the yeah. way she does it. It's awesome. But I digress once again. So Dr. Halder now has um, been reanimated. And Waldo tells him, you know, you promised me that I could start experimenting on live things. Please, <laughs> please. Yes, yes. But first we must exact our revenge. Exactly. I'm like, Oh, you are a sick little puppy, you know, <laughs> good Lord. Uh, oh. yeah. So them going and finding all the monsters is hilarious. 
The mummy is the best. Yeah. It looks like they were like breaking into like the basement at the five and dime, you know, (laughs) and where, and where do you find an Egyptian mummy in Mexico? Well, (laughs) apparently there. Yeah. Yeah. There's a bunch of other ones hanging around too. You know, and I love them. Like I said, I, I love my mummy movies yep. and, and the luchador mummy movies, the mummies of Guanajuato, the robbery of the, you know, just yeah. all of them are just the wrestling women versus the mummy. Yeah. They're, they're crazy that, you know, that kind of became like the, the local monster for Mexico. You know, oh, they yeah. had a, a, a national monster the way, you know, we, they have a national bird or anthem or whatever. It would be the mummy. Yeah. And, and a Mexican version of a mummy. Right. So you, you just said, where do you find an Egyptian one? But, you know, these are more. You know, the, the, uh, I don't know what Mayan, Aztecian, something or other. It's more, right. it's Aztec, yeah. I believe. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's like, if you guys get a chance to see, um, the Aztec mummy versus the robot, <laughs> do it in a heartbeat. That is that one's good. one of the best movies I've ever seen. A monstrous nightmare of terror turned loose in a fight to the death. The robot versus the Aztec mummy. will bring you a night of terror. We dare you to see them, but don't come alone. But anyway, so yeah, they go around and gather up all, all of the, the monsters and bring them <laughs> back to the lab. And put them in this very... You know, it looks impressive until somebody bumps into it and everything shakes and rattles. <laughs> Exactly. This, this this machine, this setup that they, they put them in and, and flip some switches and, and some lights flash. And I think there might even be a little bit of smoke, but it brings them to life. It animates them it, it, and puts them under Halder's control. Yeah, it puts them it basically it's a, it's a mind control. Yeah. It's under Halder control. But the, my, like I said earlier, it's like, it's like my favorite is like, wait a sec. We can't get the Cyclops quite into the machine. He's not. It's like you made it too small. So he's like half hanging out of the machine and, you know. And they put him right up front is yeah, the problem. Exactly. That's Not the worst the part. Like, Just put him in the back where you can't really make out all the details. No, put this big hulking figure in front that doesn't fit so that we can see him front and center. But Exactly. I wasn't making They didn't ask me. I didn't make the movie. No, I know. <laughs> Checked it and clear. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, wow. They, okay. So we're going to go back to the beginning of the movie. Where, yes, you know, they have the wrestling matches. And Santo apparently isn't wrestling that day. No, it's Blue Demon. Yeah, Blue Demon is in the ring. And Santo's sitting there with a big old smile on his face. That they, they do cutaways to him sitting next to a pole, like, watching the wrestling match. And this is acting here, because Santo yes. and Blue Demon were actually rivals. Uh, you know, Santo not- wouldn't be sitting there smiling at Blue Demon winning. No. And this is actually kind of... I feel like they played this up a little bit in this movie because ultimately we've got an evil clone of Blue Demon that's fighting Santo. So some of that, it's, you, you know, know, you kind of play into that a little bit. Right. Well, I mean, you know, like Santo and Blue Demon are basically the Karloff and Lugosi of, of Mexico. Right. You know, Santo was was super ticked at Blue Demon and what started the whole feud basically is, is Blue Demon beat him twice yeah. early in his career. And then all of a sudden they got this idea. It was like, well, we're going to put you in movies together. So there was there was a, a real rivalry there. And, that, and this, this is not the only movie where they make Blue Demon a bad guy. You know, Blue Demon's the Batman to Santos, Superman. You know, he's pretty much. And 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 I love it. Um, and I, I like I said, I always gravitate more toward Blue Demon or Mil Mascaris. 
I like Santope, don't you know? But Blue Demon and Mill are my guys. So oh yeah, no, I agree. You know, in a movie like in the Mummies of Guanajuato, where Blue Demon and Mill Mascaras are the ones pretty much doing everything until the very end when Santo shows up and saves the day. I have flame. Pos- it's like, come on, dude. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And like that didn't sit well with Blue. No, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, he was a little ticked off about that. Mascaras was Mill Mascaras is like, well, eh, I don't care. I got my, I got paid. Yeah, you know, pretty like, much. Because you know, he was the he was the young buck. A stylish young buck, one of my favorite yeah. wrestlers. Oh, and he's the one that's still around and, and active today. I mean, he's oh, good made a few he's, movies since then. He's still wrestling. Yeah. How old is he? He's like in his 60s? Yeah. I'm like, holy cow, dude. You know, yeah. rest on your, not rest on his laurels, I'll tell you that. Now, he, he's got a reputation for not selling in the ring and, and being hard to work with, but yeah. I don't I don't think that's – I think it's more, you know, his response to a lot of these criticisms, and I know we're off track again, is that I'll, I'll sell the move if you do it right. Yeah, exactly. You know, you, you're not doing it right. I'm not going to reward you by reacting the way you want me to unless you do the move correctly. Yep. I think that's kind of awesome. I mean, you get a little cocky, but it's kind of awesome. No, that's 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 professionalism. Yeah. And, you know, that's that's something that I've always known. That yeah, you know, he's like, and like I said, he just has an amazing sense of style. Yep, you know, he's the first one of these three to be inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame. Uh, I think he was the only one that actually wrestled in the WWE. That's true. That's true. El Santo got inaugurated this year, but uh, in kind of like the legend category. But yeah, Mascaras actually performed in a Royal Rumble. Well, Mascaras actually was was wrestled in an actual WWE ring. I think it was a, a Royal Rumble that he, he it was his biggest thing, and uh, I, I think so. he took himself out. He wasn't going to let somebody else take himself out. He right. took him out exactly. You know, so he, exactly. So, yeah. So. Anyway. Yeah, like I said, if I had like a thousand pre hours during the week, I'd be doing a wrestling podcast too. But uh, anyway, yeah, you know, yeah. life is so life is life isn't that long, Derek. I uh, yeah, whatever. You um, have to make a living and work and put on pants and stuff. Whatever. Yeah, I know. You know, socks <laughs> before shoes. So anyway, uh, back to the movie. Yeah, back to the movie. Mill's not in this. It's a Blue Demon well, yeah, Santo blues, picture. Blues, and, and, yeah, much, much to my chagrin, but that's okay. Yeah, so Blue's blues Wrestling, Santo's watching. Uh, blue's the man. You know, he's not going to lose. Next, they cut to Santo, what, sitting there reading a newspaper? Yeah. And then Blue's like, I'm on vacation. I'll see you later. And, like, just takes off. Okay, I'll <laughs> see you, you know. I'm doing my my dubbed wrestling impression. You know, uh, <laughs> you know okay, okay, I'll see you in a couple of weeks or something like that. So Blue Demon is driving around in a car and all of a sudden comes across this weird castle. I think I'll investigate. It's like Blue Demon, you've been in enough of these movies to know better. Come on. And he, well, this is the whole thing is like nobody attacks him. Nobody takes him there. He finds himself at the castle and breaks in. Like, 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 literally throws himself against the wooden gates and breaks the, the doors down. For a guy who's pretty much implying that he's going to take himself out of the entire movie at the beginning. I am going on vacation. See ya. Exactly. He sure, he's, he's the guy who starts some of the bigger issues here. It's right. his machinations. He's the one that made the bad decision. Yeah, exactly. So then he finds himself down in the basement where the lab is. Wow, that was quick. Um... Then they subdue him, and Doctor Holder, the the mean the evil Doctor Holder, watch. I have a duplication machine, and they duplicate Blue Demon. This is after Waldo wants to like, oh, I could do experiment oh, on experiment him. On He's him. like holding a knife to him. He's like, no, no, 
stop, you know, we're going to make this long and drawn out and enjoy it more. And, yep. Uh, <laughs> well, Aldo's a little bloodthirsty. Isn't yeah. He's, <laughs> he's, yeah, he's kind of a scary little dude. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> so they, so they make the clone of blue demon, leave the, leave the original one just laying on the table for the rest of the movie. And then once again, you get them parading down the hill in fog, single file. This movie is kind of filled with some fluff, I feel like. Oh, a lot. <laughs> Probably, it, more so than a lot of them. You guys couldn't put the parking lot next to the castle? You know, I love about these films that Mexico seems to exist in like a 10-city block radius. Because exactly. nobody has to go very far to get to any location in the movies. All of it's <laughs> happening right there. Exactly. Yeah, just kind of scroll down and yep, now we're going to, yeah. So, and then they, then they start uh, doing a little mayhem on their own. The vampire, you know, is... Uh, that's I love this shot where the girl's walking down the street. She's walking down. She walks by the camera and it pans up and the, the vampire's like basically just like clinging to the side of the building. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and then he just jumps off, uh, you know, and then the next thing, you know, he's, he's putting the bite on the girl. Um, yeah. The werewolf stuff is pretty. It's to kind of disturbing. It's pretty intense. And this movie, I had forgotten because it's been a little while since I've watched this. I had forgotten that there is some blood flow in this. It's a little bloodier than than I was expecting or remembering. A, yeah, there's a couple of scenes that I'm like, uh, really? One is there's a little poor little boy who sees the vampire or the, the wolf man, El Hobo Lobo, walking down the street and runs back into his house and tells his parents the wolf man breaks in, kills the, the parents right in front of the child. Rip and tear, and the yeah, it's not a clean death. It's 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 full on werewolf attack, and there's no cutaway or anything like that. The little kid runs out of the house, and then the wolfman comes back out onto the street, and they show the little boy around the corner of a building ducks back around, and then they show the werewolf go around the corner, and then that's it. So you get left to your own imagination. You probably killed that kid. Yeah, we never see the kid again. No, it was just they were just throwaways. And I think, don't we see the kid in the opening credit title march? Not Maybe not in the march, but don't we have a close-up of his face with the kid and like his actress, the actress name? Yeah, actually, I think so. He was actually a fairly known child actor in Mexico. So, you know, you, you kind of think maybe he's you know, he's going to make it to the end of the movie or, or, you know, it's not uncommon in some of these movies for Blue Demon to like adopt a kid that whose parents were killed by something or something like that. So maybe he's going to, no, you never see the kid again. Werewolf got him. Yeah. Exactly. And it's it's pretty I mean that's that's chilling. That's like oh that's right. not that's wow. The one that's other the, the one other the one other one was um and they don't show it, but it's totally implied where Frankenstein stomps that kid's head. <laughs> do you remember that? I do, I do, like, yeah. He like, like his foot's coming down, the guy's head's there, and then he cut away. Yeah, you see the foot. I think the foot might even make contact with the head, but you cut away and you hear a sound. Exactly. Which is like, even worse. Uh, ex- I agree. I agree. You know, of course, you know, in this day and age, they show everything in the brain matter all yeah. rolled into one, which I'm not a big fan of. But hey, it's just like those couple of little disturbing scenes are kind of like, just like really, it's like, once again, it's a Scooby-Doo moment. Like, what? Yeah, you and uh, of all the monsters, Frankenstein and the Wolfman are the ones that seem to be the most vicious. Dracula, I love this, or this vampire, I love him. I think he's great. But he doesn't seem to be vicious the way the Wolfman or Frankenstein happen to be. They're not. No. I mean, he's doing some terrible things, too, as is the mummy and the Cyclops, but 
Yeah, it's still not the most passive one is the mummy. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah. If you were, you know, 98 pounds bandages wet, you probably wouldn't be doing much either. So I was really surprised in every, any fight scene. We saw him wailing his arms around and I was like, dude, you're going to fall apart. <laughs> exactly. You're going to break yourself. But, but another funny thing too, is that like they were brand new bandages. You think you guys could age him a little bit? Right. <laughs> I mean, he looks honestly like he walked out of a burn ward. Right. You know, head to toe. With a with with a human face sticking out, no mask, no nothing. Sorry, I take my mummies very seriously. Oh yeah, that's how I go. Seriously, one of my favorite Universal mo- or favorite monsters. Period. Yeah, this is so cool. Yeah. So so then anyway, so we see the different monsters going around wreaking havoc upon you know, and then the Cyclops attacks the fisherman by the by the lake because apparently he's aquatic. Sure. Hey, works for me. Okay. Um, because we have a suit that's not falling apart enough. Let's soak let's, it. Yeah, let's get it wet. But, yeah, you know, let's waterlog it. But the best part is that you don't really see him actually in any water. They film him in front of an aquarium <laughs> with fish in it. With trees, <laughs> trees behind him. <laughs> oh, man. You know, this movie is so fun. I don't care. Oh, I love it. Oh, I don't either. It's just it's one of those things where like... Is, is that the tree trees behind him? Is that is that? Yeah. It's like a like you know a big a big aquarium and the top part of the, the the suit and they filmed through the aquarium with the guy behind it in the suit with a light up eyeball I might add sure so it works for me so um they, <laughs> then um this movie has so many peculiarities that I just kind of like what happens next. it's like okay the monsters are out you know causing lots of pandemonium and then uh i'm trying to remember how santo gets involved now well the movie it 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 doesn't really it has no really rhyme or reason other than bad guy tries to get revenge on his brother his niece and santo Mm -hmm. monsters that's it that's the movie pretty much it badly Done badly, I might add. Uh, because they Vampires out during the day. Uh, you got the werewolf looking like he needs a shower. I mean, exactly. You know, don't they go and kidnap the the brother and the da- and the niece? Yeah, they, they do end up kidnapping the brother and the niece. Now, there is another wrestling match in here, too, of course. You got to go back to the Mexico arena, Arena Mexico, whatever it is. And they've got... <laughs> Is this is this the vampire one? Yes. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, because the vampire is getting I'm, turned into a, a wrestler. Yeah. He's wearing a really cool looking mask, but during the match, the niece comes in and like tries to help Santos somehow for some reason or other. They let her get up to the ring apron, and the the wrestler slash vampire sees the cross necklace and freaks out, and then all the monsters rush the ring. Oh yeah. Okay, that was it. That was it. I- including Blue Demon, including the evil Blue Demon. Evil Blue. Yes. Yes. Okay. That's. I'm like. I'm like. Seriously, I've watched a lot of. I watched like three or four movies in the last couple of days. And I'm like, my, my brain's kind of mush right now. So. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Uh, but now here's the here's. I don't know if you caught this before the wrestling match. They they show a picture of the uh, the card, you know, the poster for you know who's wrestling who. Oh, okay. And I, it says like Santo versus the masked wrestler or something like that. But then they cut to the uh, the little back room for mm-hmm. for drag for the vampire, and I swear they're putting makeup on him. Yeah, they are rubbing him down with something. And because is it 
to keep him like, from looking pale. That's what uh, I was thinking. That they because when he comes out, he's kind of you know, like like skin color. Yeah. So I, that's what I was thinking. They were putting makeup on him so you couldn't tell that he was the you know blue skinned undead. So then the the like sees the the niece's uh, cross and he like turns into a bat. Yeah, he turns into a bat and flies and away then, while the other the whole, monsters. And then the around. crowd yeah. freaks out. And then in all the pandemonium, the monsters and everything rush the ring. And, like, and the Cyclops isn't there, mind the, by the way. Did you? I don't know if you noticed that. Actually, like, I I think he is there because you can see. The yeah, I've got it, it like, here. It was, like was going to take him like twenty minutes to get into that ring. I, they don't really show him actually getting into the ring. It's like next shot, they're all in the ring. Okay. Uh, the mummy is doing like you know. Uh, face scratching and and it's just bizarre <laughs> okay, and yeah and then the vampire of course is gone vampire's gone uh a couple of times santo does like a neck chop to the frank quinstain or whatever his name is and you know no reaction same thing with the cyclops he actually tries to jump on the cyclops and it's it's it's, a, it's pandemonium right and it's it's great I want all my wrestling matches to end with monsters rushing the ring <laughs> oh yeah no kidding yeah, it, was, it was something that you like never saw and I don't think in any other film no, you know any other wrestling film because it was like you know they would do just a, a regular one on one or two on two wrestling match, but no. you know you get like all the monsters in the ring all of a sudden just boom magic, it's yep, wizard they're all there you know wizard boom in the ring, yep. and like you know they uh, kidnap the the good doctor holder and the niece. They kidnap them after Santo the doctor and the niece have an evening out. At some nightclub. Is that is nah? Is it? Yeah. Because there is because there are several fight scenes prior. Yeah, there's another fight scene outside with Santo and the monsters, and he gets away in time for dinner. (laughs) Right. Yeah, and then it's like, but then then there's the fight scene with the Cyclops where he actually kills the Cyclops. Yeah. And that is pretty funny because all of a sudden Santo's just out swimming in a lake, fully clothed in his mask. You know, when I saw that, I thought, okay, we're going to see the Cyclops again. No, it's Santo swim, swimming James Bond style to the villain's lair. Exactly. And then and then that's, I think that's where they have the, uh, the aquarium shots. Okay. Okay. There. So, and then they get out and he fights the Cyclops and kills him <laughs> with, with like a sharp stick. Yes. <laughs> and then, of course. Yeah, and then the next thing you see, he's in Dr. Holder's lab getting revitalized and sewn back together. So, <laughs> can't keep a good Cyclops down. No, not at all. So. Now, Holder has kidnapped you know, his brother and his niece, and he's got them in the same brain control machine. But this time, it's going to disintegrate them. Right. He's going to disintegrate the niece and make the brother or the, the, the uncle, the good doctor, watch. Right. This is after the nightclub scene. Yes, this is all after that nightclub scene. What the hell was that musical number? You know, it's it's a thing with some of these movies, man. I mean, yeah. Ship of Monsters had the singing cowboy stuff. I mean, yeah. it just is a thing, and it's part of the culture, and some amazing pants. Yes, and actually, <laughs> it was very entertaining, very yeah. well done, very well choreographed. What movie did they steal that from? I've been looking, because if you look, the film stock completely changes. It goes from this, because when they, like, oh, we're going to watch a, a musical number. And so they're sitting at the table and don't, you never once see them involved in any of those shots. That's a really good point. Those musical numbers were taken from another film. I'm guarantee it. 
uh, another film or TV or something. Exactly. You know, it's got to be. There's no way they put the that whole thing together. Color saturation the, is just it's just beautiful. I mean, it's like I mean, it changes from like a stark '70s, you know, flat shot, brightly lit restaurant to this nice, I want like cinemascope style color. Right. Yeah, it's a musical number. It's a full on musical. Yeah. And, huh. and, and then the best, my favorite part about that whole thing is they keep cutting back to uh, the niece and she looks bored out of her mind. Yeah. Smoking a cigarette. Like, why am I here? You know, that, that whole sequence is just, is, is just kind of odd. And then in come the monsters into the restaurant. I love that. Yeah. Well, that was like, they're okay. The musical number's over. Santo and his, I don't know, fiance, girlfriend, and the other Dr. Holder are being served dinner. In come the monsters then. Couldn't we tell, you know, they had to give them food. You know. I just. Yeah. It's like, what? Okay. I just love that there exists a world somewhere in which luchador crime fighter scientists yes. can go out to dinner, to a nice dinner, and wear a suit and have a show, all while wearing their mask, and nobody says a thing about it. It's no big deal. It's Not just, a, no, oh, it's look. Santo. Hi, Santo. The regular? Okay. Yeah. Normal table? Here we go. Yeah. yeah. Well, the best part was he goes, I think he says something to the effect of, um, we'll be safe here because we're in public or something like that. And he's, he doesn't think that the monsters will attack them in public. So that's why they're in the restaurant watching a musical number. So <laughs> monsters show up, melee occurs you know santo's overpowered the niece and the doctor are taken to the rooftop and then the mummy just kind of doesn't i don't know how to describe it (laughs) honest to god during the rooftop during the skirmish um i love that the vampire is still doing his jump attack Oh, yeah. No, he's, he's still jumping. jumping around and trying to bite people. He's not trying to punch or fight or whatever. I am amazed that the mummy gets so into these fight scenes. Oh, yeah. I just blows my but, mind. But then the funny thing is, is, like, he's walking around like an elderly gentleman, you know, mm-hmm. with a shuffle step and flailing his arms and stuff. Santo promptly picks him up and throws him off the side of the building. And the <laughs> way and the way. I mean, it's it's obviously. I mean, it's beyond obvious that it's a dummy. <laughs> hey, like I said, previous I episode we talked about Champions of Justice, and they yeah. do the same thing with a couple of characters in that. Oh yeah, no, I watched that recently too. I, yeah. yeah. So it's like, well, the mummy's gone. And he's done. So the niece and and the and the uh, and Auto Holder are taken prisoner by the evil Doctor Holder, and this is where we get to the. The Frankenstein driving the the the, the, uh, <laughs> the limousine. Oh, uh, that is. I mean, to me, I mean, the way I described this film, I said this is the best Frankenstein Fu Manchu wearing driving a limousine movie you can ever get. I love this Frankenstein's monster so much. You know, Frankenstein. <laughs> yes. Come on, we don't get sued. Okay. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah. And now, okay. Um, little trivia: Who played him? Uh, another wrestler, right? Another. Well, actually, the funny thing is, is that he wasn't at the time Manuel Leal. Okay. He later became Tenenbloss. Oh, who is one of my favorites? Yes, and that's that's where he that's the, he played Frankenstein. Wow. So, and later later was in Tenenbloss, Injustice, uh, Champions of Justice, and various other 
accoutrement. So he also played the Satan character in Mummies of Guanajuato. <laughs> yes, yes, he did. Yes, so he had range. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so <sighs> they get back to the lab. Santo follows them to the lab. Like, because he put a tracking device on Frankenstein's that, neck. That was, Very that, subtle. That was, yeah, the best part is like it's stuck in his neck. And it's like this little button-sized thing. And so he follows him back. And then like uh, Waldo finds it and he goes, we found this on Frankenstein. So they know they're ready for Santo. He shows up at the lab and all hell breaks loose. Literally. Um <sighs> You he know. does stumble across the duplication chamber first. Yes. And, and, and revives the good blue demon. Who's who's actually the, the bad blue demon was played by Black Shadow. Oh, okay. A Black Shadow, who was another wrestler. So it wasn't technically even blue demon as the duplicate. They put somebody else in the blue demon mask. Okay. So then he revives blue demon. They meet a bunch of zombies in the hallway, promptly beat the crap out of them. And then move on to the main chamber to where uh, where you were talking about the nieces being turned into pulp and dad watches. It's almost like a laugh-in sketch. It's the best <laughs> way where everybody's running around and hitting people with pies and stuff. Yeah. It just, it's, just, it's just shot after shot after shot of different monsters on Santo and Santo pushing monsters off of him and Blue Demon walking around with a torch. You know, trying to keep the monsters off everybody. And they finally get them all in the corner of the, the lab and all of the, the uh, equipment's been knocked over and everything. And they, they the lab blows up. There's the ending. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Kind of I, I, honestly a little weird. You know, I'm going to say this for this movie. That was kind of a weird anticlimactic ending. It it is. I mean, it's cool to see Blue Demon swinging a torch and and Santo swinging a, I guess a Morning Star he picked up somewhere. And yeah, it's, I mean, it's cool, but yeah. yeah, the mace thing. Um, okay, yeah, it yeah. does just kind of fizzle out. Yeah. So, so I got nothing. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, that's that's how the movie ends. It's like really, it's like yeah, all these great shots, all these great great scenes and everything else, and okay, that's it. Well, and even about like halfway through one of the fight scenes, the music just ends. Oh yeah. And yeah. You know, I'm a film score guy. I'm sensitive to that stuff. I'm like, what, what just happened? I mean, it does pick back up again, but it's like that. Did they just run out of production music? <laughs> I don't I don't understand what happened. Yeah, the license ran out halfway through filming, so they couldn't use it for the rest of the film. <laughs> Which I, I don't know where this music came from. I don't know anything about the composers of these films. If somebody put out a CD of this music, I would snatch it up in a minute. Oh, I'd buy it in a heartbeat. Oh, yeah. The music from these movies... I adore, and, and I think uh, I've read it described as like a, like an ice cream truck meets a Zamboni, you know, sometimes. <laughs> I mean, it's just that kind of... With a zombie driving. Yeah, just yeah. that weird kind of sound, but I love it. Well, it's like, this one definitely has got a Farfisa organ on it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's that really, I mean, because you're into surf music and so am I. Yeah. So it's like, it's like that, that really kind of, you know, it's like, it's got a, <laughs> it's got a great sound and you know, they're walking down the hill to this great score and it's like, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, it's fun. It's just fun. Yeah. How can you not have fun with this movie? 
As far as the ending of these movies go, they all kind of pale pale in comparison to the mummies of Guanajuato and the way that one ends. Right. Where they all get in their individual sports cars and drive and off. And drive off, right. You know, Emil Mascaris is joking about how they hope they find a restaurant with a good all-you-can-eat buffet because ha-ha-ha, eat a lot. I don't know. Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and no, they like, can't all end that way, I guess. Well, it's like, you know, it's like uh, the ending of um, Santo versus the Vampire Women said to be one of the best Santo films ever. It's like he just goes through, sets them all on fire, and we're done. <laughs> and he just walks down and hands the, the woman that was captive to the police and said, I've done my job. I'm I'm leaving now. What are you going to do? Right. I mean, you've, you've, you had Frankenstein driving a limousine. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> these movies are a blast. I love these films so much. Is it high art? I, no, but I don't care. I'm still having a blast. You know, the, did it make me smile? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, did it make me laugh? A lot. And I love it. Uh, I wish these movies were being made on a regular basis these days. Uh, Mil Moskris puts out a few every once in a while, and I think there's one that is in post or maybe making film festival rounds right around now. But I Yeah, I haven't seen the, the last one he put out. I think they had it at the Joy, didn't they? Uh, so we did Mil Moskris versus the Aztec Mummy. I introduced it, and uh, I wore a mask. <laughs> Because awesome. I had to, awesome. you know, suit jacket, you know, big old pinky ring that used to belong to my grandfather and a mask. Nice. And I got up there and, and introduced the movie. A Mil Mascaris? It was not a Mil Mascaris mask. Uh, um, uh, this one, I don't know if it belong if the design belonged to any particular luchador. Oh, uh, okay. It's one of those things that I picked up at an army surplus store. I gotcha. Um, I, I know, but it looks I cool. know the army surplus store. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but it looks cool. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I did that. Uh, then they did uh, the Academy of Doom after that, which isn't as good. It's got less Milmoskris action in it. And I believe there's a third one that's either done and just kind of looking for distribution or, or something that I, I haven't heard much about. I have some catching up to do. So I've missed both of those, actually. Milmoskris versus the Aztec Mummy. Really good. Was it? Um, cool. Yeah, I, it's it's great. It's, Got a mummy in it, of yeah. course. You know, so, I have a uh, and, and at the end, a whole bunch of other modern-day luchadors show up as a cameo just to kind of help out. So, awesome. you know, wa- watching luchadors clothesline mummies and zombies. <sighs> Come on. Kind of, I could do that all day long. Yep. Yep. Man, <laughs> you're, sing- you're, you're singing to the choir, baby. No, this stuff is so good. Once you get started in it, you don't stop. I, I mean, it, It's really hard to. It's like potato chips. Yeah, well, it's comfort food. It, it's, exactly. It's, it re- I can put these in and just kind of leave them playing in the background. I don't have to sit there and watch the subtitles. I don't care if it's dubbed or not. I can just have them going in the background, and mm-hmm. I'm I'm a happy man. Oh, Ship of Monsters. I, I, I got that disc. I don't think it had subtitles on it. Yeah. And I, my wife and I put that in, and we sat and watched that, and we're just rolling. There's just something about the films that come out out of Mexico mm-hmm. in particular that there's a ch- such a charm to them. It's undescribable. It's got a great feel. It's got a, a lot of local flavor. And it's damn entertaining. It, it really is. Uh, and, you know, I mean, we love the the American, the domestic product as well. And, and, you know, I have a lot of love for this stuff. I don't care if it's a low budget. I mean, it's the heart, the enthusiasm, the charisma, all of it. It's just amazing. Yeah. And... You get so much of that, not just in this movie, but all the movies that I'm talking about this month on Lucha de Mayo. Yes. Uh, (laughs) On Monster Kid Radio. You know, there's just so much heart and personality to them. And you get some good monster stuff. So, 
you know, bonus. Exactly. Bonus. So. Now, this was fun. Uh, I'm so glad that we finally made it happen. Dude. I this, had a blast. This was great. You've got to go open your shop. So I'm going to. I, I do. You know, uh, I'm looking forward to, I got to go, I got to finish uh, the episode that, that you recorded last, oh, okay. last week. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so. enjoy uh, and, and have a good rest of your weekend. And, and listeners, drtongtoys.com. Or Dr. Tongues, I had that shop on Facebook or Dr. Tongues Toys on Instagram. We'll make sure there's links in the show notes to all of this or look up Dr. Tongues shop on Etsy. It's just Dr. Tongues Toys. That's it. There we go. Go support another monster kid. Thanks for uh, having me. I had a blast. This was awesome. We'll definitely have to do it again. Spook shows next oh. time, maybe, huh? Yeah, oh, let's, yeah. Uh, let's, I'll mark the calendar. Okay, sounds good. <laughs> All right, brother. com, or just look up Dr. Tongue's Toys on Etsy or Facebook, and you're going to find where Mark Peterson spends his time, and you're going to end up spending a lot of time there as well. Dr. Tongue's I Had That Shop is an amazingly cool little shop that I need to spend a lot more time at. And so should you. Mark, thank you so much again for being part of the show. Next time I have you on, probably talk about something other than a Luchador movie, but uh, I have a feeling you and I will have plenty to talk about. Thanks again, Mark. On the whole face of the earth today, there is no place more terrifying than the Valley of Guanji. The Valley of Guanji, a spectacular new kind of screen entertainment, a science fiction western, Starring James Franciscus, Hila Golan, and Richard Carlson. From Warner Brothers 7 Arts in Dynamation and Technicolor. The Valley of Guanji, rated G. From the creators of 1 million BC. When dinosaurs ruled the earth. It is the beginning. The darkest age of all. The wings of a monstrous bird darken the sky. A great beast lumbers forth in search of prey. A beautiful virgin is marked for death. It is the beginning. A time of terror, pagan worship, human sacrifice. From across the shadowy abyss of time, Warner Brothers brings you... When Dinosaurs Ruled the Earth. Rated G General Audiences. Hello, everyone. I am Rod Barnett. I'm Troy Gwynn. And we are your hosts for NashyCast, the podcast about the films of Paul Nashy. We, for over five years, have brought you the joys of Spanish cinema, filtered through our brains to you. Yes. Now, what is it that qualifies two Southern boys to talk about? films that came out of Spain, and I can't think of a single thing. There's nothing that qualifies. Except that we just love, love them, love them, love them. We love them. Nashi Cast covers the films of Paul Nashi and any other Spanish horror film that we can pretend we know something about. (laughs) Yes. If you love beautiful women wearing incredibly short miniskirts in subarctic temperatures, (laughs) chased by werewolves in leisure suits. If you love werewolves, vampires, unidentifiable beasts, or crazy people driving women around and talking like a maniac. (laughs) Yes, flying cats, beheadings with axes. (laughs) Blood that looks like melted crayons. Shambling zombies, yeah. Some of the films that we've covered in the past are Mark of the Werewolf, 
How of the Devil. Vengeance of the Zombies. Horrorizes from the Tomb. Tombs of the Blind Dead. Vampire's Night Orgy. Ooh, yes. Join us on this journey through the golden age of Spanish horror where Paul Nashi, Leon Klamowski, Jess Franco, Amando Diasorio take us through a filter Espanol. Join us for the Nashi cast. Vault of Monster Collectibles number five. Creepy and Eerie Rings. Warren Publishing, 1969. One of the greatest things about Monster Mags back in the day were these cool ads in the back. Most of us monster kids couldn't afford to order nearly as much monster merch as we wanted to, but man, it was sure a fun time to peruse the ads and dream about getting some of those treasures. The Warren Mags led the pack and had the coolest ads. The merchandising arm of Warren was called Captain Company and had pages upon pages of ads for back issues, books, posters, Aurora model kits, joke items, Dawn Post masks, and a few Warren exclusive items like the fabled Creepy and Eerie Rings. The rings are marked copyright 1969 Warren Pub Co. on the back and are made of a very heavy gold tone metal. They're big enough for an adult to wear and they are adjustable. They must have seemed huge to a kid's finger and probably covered nearly half of some kid's fingers. The creepy ring is about one and a quarter inch tall and the eerie ring is about one and an eighth inch tall. Cousin Eerie is a bit rounder than Uncle Creepy due to his well-fed jowls. He always was a rotund little dude. They sold for a whopping dollar and 25 cents each through those magical Captain Company ads. These rings have been a bit hard to get since Warren Publishing took bankruptcy in 1983. A fellow collector told me that it took him quite some effort to finally get them back in the 90s and that they sold for around $200 each back then. When eBay made the collecting world a lot smaller in the 90s, many of the things that were thought scarce showed up commonly on the bay and as a result prices dropped on many of these items that weren't really scarce after all. And some items were proven to be legitimately scarce or even rare. For a while, the rings were a bit easier to find after the advent of eBay, and prices seemed to drop into the $75 to $100 range. A small warehouse find of the eerie rings a few years ago caused them to show up in the marketplace more frequently until they were snatched up by excited worn collectors and landed in private collections. When I began my quest for the rings around seven years ago, a knowledgeable collector advised that I should expect to pay around $75 to $100 for an eerie ring, and around $150 to $200 for a creepy ring. Currently, both rings are pretty hard to find, and prices have started going up again due to the demand surpassing supply. I sold an extra eerie ring a couple of years ago for $200. I would estimate the current value of the rings at $150 to $200 for an eerie ring and $200 to $300 for a creepy ring. Of course, for items this scarce and iconic, these prices could easily be surpassed by a buyer with pockets deeper than his patience. It wouldn't surprise me at all to see a creepy ring sell for $500 in the right circumstances. Oh, and condition shouldn't be an issue for these rings. Of the seven or eight I've either owned or seen for sale, all were in excellent condition. They seem practically indestructible. 
I currently have both rings in my collection and couldn't imagine selling them for any price. I picked them up from another collector through the Universal Monster Army website around six years ago for $200 for the pair. I couldn't send the guy the money fast enough. I had only seen one other creepy ring for sale in that time, so those are really hard to find nowadays. I remember drooling over the Captain Company ads for these rings when I was a kid, but for one reason or another, I could never scrape up the money for them. Since I've been collecting Warren, these rings have come to seem like trophies to me, like a wrestling championship belt or a Super Bowl ring. They seem to symbolize being an elite Warren collector who went to the trouble and expense to actually find them, and then afford them. Maybe that seems like a grandiose exaggeration, but in my warped collector's mind, that's the way I see them. They're monster kick gold, dude. I've included a pic this episode of my creepy and eerie rings, and another pic of a Captain Company page featuring an ad for them. Next episode, we look at a cool toy from 1967, which is a combination Thingmaker-type toy, monster playset, and dinosaur playset, Mattel's Strange Change, The Lost World. Beast witches, dudes and dudettes. believe in ghosts? This is the night when fear and horror walk hand in hand. This is Black Sabbath. Starring the incomparable Boris Karloff, the personable Mark Damon, and lush and lovely women. Even though one is from the netherworld, a vampire, a Vordalak. Black Sabbath. As ancient as superstition, as modern as the telephone. How nice you look with that towel around you. You always did have a beautiful body. Beautiful. A body to drive someone crazy. Who are you? Who? Black Sabbath. The bare truth about the unbelievable, such as the brilliant beauty of a priceless jewel that holds within the body of a buzzing fly, a vengeful woman's murderous spirit. <coughs> Only on the seventh night of the seventh full moon can the living see the lifeless undead. I am hungry. Is he man? Or vampire? An adventure into black magic that goes beyond the boundaries of the supernatural. And a man's devoted love is welcomed by a woman's deadly lust for his blood.
out of there first. Blast them now. Drop now. You've got to do it. Dad, listen to me. From the remotest reaches of the cosmos, an unknown force is overpowering mankind. I can't get enough buildup. We'll never get off the ground. Countdown. Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one, fire. The greatest threat in outer space, the war of the planets. You can't stop them. Lazar's no good. You can't stop them. They're lights, but they've got shape. They're more than lights. When you have them within, you experience a power of mind beyond all comprehension. Working feverishly, courageous astronauts vainly search for a transparent enemy that has overtaken their space station, paralyzing every form of life and motion. And prepare for immediate evacuation of all space installations. All the forces on Earth have been mobilized to combat this invisible, supernatural, deadly power that is crippling man's progress in space. No signs of rigor mortis. No signs of decay or corruption. Man's willpower, his will to live, is being crushed. It's a battle of wits against a subtle enemy for which there is no defense. You can't do that. It's not human. You're crazy. You too will be fascinated, awed, gripped, mesmerized, enslaved by the will of the deadly diaphanoids. What is it you want? Friendship. I know how to deal with them. General, I'm gonna call radiation control. Wait, Mike. Hey, get back. Let go! Get I can... back here, Freddy! Where do you think you're going? I can make it, Commander! It's a desperate fight, but a handful of fearless spacemen search for every sign, for every face that might hide the seed, the spawn of death that threatens to destroy the Earth. We don't know whether we should treat them as living or dead, whether to do biopsy or autopsy. The apparatus is not required. I don't think that's for you to decide. I will do the thinking, Commander. It's a power of gigantic proportion. It corrodes the very will of mankind. This is a film you cannot miss. Man, pitched against the unknown, the incredible, the war of the planets. Hi, this is Ruby. And I'm Hater. And we host the Mimiverse Bonfire Podcast. A podcast based on Christopher R. Mim, a Minnesota filmmaker who's got eight films under his belt, soon to be nine. And they're all 1950s-style black-and-white movies. The podcast revolves around actors, the making of the films, and various other little fun bits. And technicians. (laughs) You can find us at SaintEuphoria.com. Or like us on Facebook. That would be the Mimiverse Bonfire Podcast. Hope you tune in. Hey, Derek. This is Todd from the Haunted Cinema in Chippewa Lake, Ohio. 
just wanted to touch base and let you know how much I appreciate what you're doing at Monster Kid Radio. I'm a faithful listener. This is the first time I've called in, but I wanted to call in on your recent episode on the Rondo Awards with David Colton. I'm a little bit behind. There's so many different podcasts to listen to. This is a great time to be a Monster Kid, but I promise I will catch up. The conversation about the Rondos really sparked something in me. Um, I've appreciated how he spoke to some of the controversies. I know there's been some talk on the Classic Horror Film Board regarding should the Rondos only be eligible for movies before a certain year, and should we let new movies in and new things in. I'm for letting everybody participate. Our, our genre is so vast and so broad, and this is a great opportunity to bring some of the new horror fans into some of the movies we enjoy, some of the classics. So I think perhaps expanding the categories might be a better way to do it, but you would have classic restorations up against more modern restorations. I know there was talk of Suspiria winning for restoration versus the old dark house. I love both of the movies, so it was a win for me either way. Going forward, I look forward to seeing you at Monster Bash. I just bought my tickets and I got a room. I'm only a few hours away from the convention, but I decided to stay the whole weekend and get to know people. I think it's going to be a blast as it always is. And again, I look forward to seeing you. Coming up in your collectibles corner, I collect vintage masks and vintage posters. I'd love to see maybe you have somebody. There's a lot of very good authorities on masks in our community. Be cool to have something about the Don Post masks or uh, some of the other things like that. And again, I also do the vintage movie posters. Other than that, keep up the good work. I appreciate all you do. Thanks and have a great day. Okay, so we're going to kick off this week's feedback with a voicemail from Todd from the Haunted Cinema. Dot com, which is a really cool website. I went and I checked it out. He's got some really cool movie posters all over the site. Uh, and I guess they're from his personal collection, which makes me insanely jealous because that House of Dracula <laughs> poster is super, super cool. I am so excited about it that I forgot to introduce my wife, who's with us for the feedback this week, mm. Brenda. <laughs> Hello. Here's Brenda. I well, you already heard on the show because she did the, the vault of Monster Collectibles piece already. But I still um, get caught off guard by how low energy you are in order to prevent crossover of our microphones. We need to at some point just pick up some less powerful microphones, <laughs> at least for this part, because you know, it just doesn't feel like you. It... I would love to overhaul and upgrade our recording gear and setup, but for now, this is what we got. So yeah, we'll make it work. We'll work with it. So, someday, someday. So what do you think about what he said about, you know, bringing the more modern stuff into the Rondos and, and letting Suspiria be on the same ballot as the old Dark House and things like that? Well, I don't, I don't know who those are. So I think that hmm, depends on the audience that you want to cater to. I think for me, when I first became aware of the Rondos, it bothered me. Oh. Because it was called the classic horror film. You know, it was classic. Oh. And to have all these podcasts and magazines and books and, and movies that are catering to non-classic uh, interests and genres, you may hear our neighbors right now doing some work in their home. My goodness. They have been working on that place for like two and a half weeks. It's been seriously and they hammer in yeah. the exact same place and it makes me think of like kids who you give them like nails and a hammer 
and they just pretend they're building something. <laughs> I don't understand what needs to be nailed for a week and a half in the exact same place. I shouldn't say nailed, hammered in the exact same place for uh, a week and a half. I don't get it. It's been pretty nuts. It's pretty crazy making. And they are hauling stuff out of their place at like one in the morning. And, and they're completely redoing the floors. I know. And I saw they're using like tile in there um and maybe they're hammering the tiles into place well what we're hearing now is a drill no that's a saw that's uh, a saw maybe a do you call them well, a- what if they're sawing like tile pieces to make them fit just right like in the edges or whatever oh because it does sound different than when a saw does wood you know this is monster kid radio so i'm just going to imagine that they're building a frankenstein's monster next door boy that would make it a little bit more tolerable it really would <laughs> Yes. That's how you know I married the right woman. Okay. Where were we? Uh, the Rondos. Oh, yes. So, so I really, at the very beginning, honestly, I, I struggled with it um, mm. because I wanted a celebration of the classic stuff. And mm. I still, to this day, I guess, still have a little bit of a knee-jerk reaction. Like, I was it about a year ago or so, maybe even longer than that, when Scary Monsters Magazine did an issue uh, based on Pet Cemetery. The Stephen King movie. Mm. And was it Pet Cemetery? It's something like that. And they even did an editorial talking about how you know, they're going to include it because in their mind it still has all the classic horror tropes. And to me, I was like, no, it's not classic. And it, it came down to that whole black and white way of thinking for me. Yeah, um, you are pretty. And I have to be honest, how old creates classic? Because at this point, that was quite some time ago. Yeah. It was um, more than 20 years ago. When hmm, when when David Colton talked about the justification and his reasoning for it, his, his answer made a lot of sense. And so I, I get it. And I had gotten to that point already, but I think David really kind of solidified it in, in for me. But yeah, I think when we start looking at the classic stuff, and actually I was just talking to somebody earlier today. Um, who's been on the show before, George McGowan. And we were talking about how there are some magazine publishers that think the classic era starts with Night of the Living Dead. And for me, and, and I'm summarizing that conversation, of course, um, but for me, that's the end of the classic era, you know? Mm. Somebody posted on Facebook the other day that when somebody says something happened 30 years ago, they still think they mean something in the 70s, when really, it's in the <laughs> right. 90s. And then I felt really, really old. Because I still feel that way, too. Just when right. somebody says, you know, when I was a kid, or back in the 30s, or what, or not in the 30s, but 30 years ago. Yeah. You know, I don't go to the year I graduated high school. Yeah. <laughs> wow. It's true. And it's really interesting. There has to be some sort of study out there about like at what age do we sort of freeze that reference right that reference point and we just don't seem to move on from that you know i do find it interesting though when we look at some of the retro stuff happening i think like the big thing that's happening on youtube right now was the uh, cobra kai series Mm -hmm. the karate kid series which i freaking loved now, I know I'm a Monster Kid, Monster Kid X, whatever. You loved Karate Kid. I loved Karate Kid when it came out. I saw the first three films in the theater. I still haven't seen the fourth, uh, and I didn't see the remake. But, you know, Karate Kid meant a lot to me. The songs from the soundtrack meant a lot to me for some reason. I just, and, and watching Cobra Kai, I'm like, that's that's really cool. And 
you know, really a big part of the reason something like that is successful is because us kids who grew up watching it are now at a point to where, you know, we're able to watch it on YouTube and we're paying for it. Now we're willing to spend our extra money on it and that sort of thing. I don't know where I'm going with this, but it's like when you see the quote unquote retro music showing up in car commercials, when Twisted Sister shows up selling something in a commercial, you know, that sort of thing. And, and that retro, but really that's not 30 years ago. That's 50 years old. And that's, gosh. oh my gosh. Yeah. And part of it is pulling that stuff back because you're aiming for the audience that potentially has disposable income now mm -hmm. and hitting nostalgia points with that audience. That and the people that grew up watching this stuff are now in positions of power to be able to use the stuff that they loved from their childhood. Uh, you know, they kind of bring it with them a little bit. I don't know. Hmm. I'm old. That's what this whole thing was. Yeah. So he falls along the lines of expanding the categories. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm okay with it now. I mean, like I said, I was really kind of on a journey with it. Am I bummed that the old Dark House didn't get Best Restoration, but Suspiria, uh, 70s film, did? I Yeah, maybe a little bit. But, you know, it's popular vote, so. Right. Um, can't, you can't fault how the people voted. And he's going to be at Monster Bash. He is going to be at Monster Bash. Uh, I am excited to meet him. I've actually made arrangements with him. We're going to spend some time together. Uh, and I'm just going to put this out there, Todd, so no pressure, but uh, I'd love to interview you. And I say that because he wants to interview me. So, um, well, not just that. It'd be fun you to somehow, interview. Like, so, you know um, what I mean. Arrange it so that both are happening at the same time so the content could be used for both. I don't know what he wants to do interview-wise, mm -hmm. but he said he'd love to chat with me. Him and his son would love to chat with me, and I would love to meet you guys. Fantastic. It'd be fun. Play around with the Classic Five, you know? It'd be fun. So in terms of vintage masks and posters, I guess that depends on what Michael Dodd has, where his knowledge lies, because we're not, we're not writing that. He is. Mm -hmm. So Michael Dodd... Uh, has an, and we'll stumble across this because he sent us an email and he mentions us. He sent me a few weeks worth of content for mm -hmm. that segment. And one of them is the Vern Langdon zombie mask, hmm. which is not any of the masks that Todd mentioned, but it is a mask. Mm. So that'll be coming up. Uh, that'll be installment number seven, which I believe will be in a few weeks if Brenda holds up. If I hold up. <laughs> <laughs> We should um, get ahead on recording some we of those really since we can. Mm -hmm. Well, thanks for calling in, man. It was good to hear from you, and I can't wait to meet you at Monster Bash, brother. Should we move? Oh, speaking of Michael Dodd. Hey, yeah, we got we'll his Lined that up I, really well. I knew we had an email. Hey, Derek and Brenda. Hey. I can't believe I left a space for you and you didn't oh. use it. Oh. <laughs> Derek, I checked out MKR 369 and had a great time. Lucha de Mayo is progressing nicely. Did you say mayo? You said mayo. Oh my God, you've ruined me. You said mayo. You've ruined me. Lucha de Mayo is progressing nicely. I thought about making another sandwich dressing joke here owing to the possible mispronunciation. <laughs> But you'll probably get your fill of those, so I'll spare you. Really cool to hear you and Mark Peterson geek out in such depth about Santo and... About Santo and El Tosoro de Dracula. Did I get that right? <laughs> I have no idea. It's it's Dracula, Santo and Dracula's treasure. Santo and El Tesoro de Dracula. The treasure of Dracula. Ah, now I know the word for treasure that i will never remember and now i know the spanish word for dracula 
<laughs> that guy knows his lucha. I had heard about the nudie version for years and finally got to see it recently on the Monster Channel. Yeah, Mark's right. A couple of those girls were very healthy. Cut to Joe Bob doing his, if you know what I mean, and I think you do, bit. <laughs> it was fun to finally see it, especially in color. After all, it is a part of monster history and exploitation history, too, for that matter. Man, you guys have cool stores like Dr. Tongue's and actual Monster Kick classic flicks showing on the big screen theaters. Trust me, dude, you are blessed out there in the Portland area. I'm in the Chattanooga area, and it may have pretty scenery, but it's like a negative zone for us monster kids and comic book fans. Anyway, another great show, man. Yeah, we talk about that sometimes, mm. and partly because we're thinking of moving due to my RA, and how if we're in an area with no monster kid stuff that you want to bring that to the theaters it always hits seems to me like a huge undertaking but you're so excited about it <laughs> so maybe michael can have a viewing fest it seems really expensive though well it depends on what you're doing um so first of all i'm a little surprised you mentioned the move thing because every time i mention it to somebody i'm like you know between you and me because we didn't so mm. yeah we're gonna be moving at some point have a few places we're looking. But I feel like we've been saying that for four years. It's not been that long. Are you sure? It's not been as long as we've been doing the show. I've been doing this show. Oh, yeah. So we've, we haven't committed, you know. We need to commit because it's your rheumatoid arthritis is, and I always worry every time you say RA that people don't know what we're talking about. Oh. Brenda's got severe rheumatoid arthritis and. Uh, I have this special blessed kind that doesn't respond to medication because I have to be as difficult as possible. Brenda is a collector's item. <laughs> she is unique. She's a variant. I say I collect autoimmune diseases. True. I true. do. But my sister has the same type of RA. So we are looking to move because as much as we love Portland, uh, man, I love Portland so much. And I grew up in Juneau, Alaska, where it rains quite a bit so you get all that green and all that wonderful all that fresh green and it smells good yeah. and i feel like i need a cloudy day here and there as a relief from mm -hmm. sunshine just a the downside though is that the weather changes and the weather fluctuations mm -hmm. usually come with barometric pressure changes and that and moisture changes or humidity Brenda. changes and yeah. it it does it's, it's getting it's to awful. the point where it's really playing havoc with it's it's awful my life so so anyway. we're considering moving somewhere drier which is Sadder. very sad mm -hmm. and maybe somewhere where the temperature is pretty even steven mm -hmm. uh, but of course all those areas are pretty expensive to live in yeah yeah way to bring it down michael no, just that kidding. That was us. No, that was us. That was us. So Chattanooga, that's Tennessee. And you know Tennessee has one of my favorite horror hosts in it. Ah. You know who that is, right? No, goodness no. Why are you giving me a look? There's no lights out there, but I can tell you're giving me a look. It's Dr. Gang Green. Oh. Underwood. I didn't know he was in Tennessee. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's based out of there. So he doesn't do a regular show, but he does a few events in the area. Mm -hmm. I don't know where he is compared to where 
my goal is. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know my Tennessee geography, so I couldn't even say. But check out DrGainGreen.com. <laughs> Let them know that you heard him here on MKR. Larry's a great guy. He um, is. He's fantastic. In terms of, like, doing your own thing. Well, so he- you mentioned Dr. Gangrene, and it feels like maybe you build up enough support around it, and you could convince a theater at their own cost to play <laughs> one of these movies, and you, you know, you do your own bash, and mm-hmm. maybe Dr. Gangrene... Maybe lives very far away, but you know, you build up enough support around it that a theater feels like they would make money running this or something. Mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. know. I don't know. I know that every time I go to Weird Wednesday to introduce a movie, mm-hmm. his ticket sales increase. Wait, that is very braggy. Because he doesn't charge admission. So there is no ticket sales. Ha ha, I was making it funny. Oh. <laughs> ha, ha, ha. Weird what? Wednesday is free. <laughs> Weird Wednesday's free? Yeah. How does he um concessions? Oh. So Weird Wednesday is free. He makes sales on concessions. Um because it's a free event, you've got to be 21 and over to get in because he sell, sells booze. Mm. Whereas if he was charging tickets, it'd be a little bit different. But yeah. Hmm. So yeah, I'm sure every time I'd introduce, he makes a ton more money on tickets. <laughs> <laughs> Zero times two. That's right. <laughs> Speaking of Michael Dodd. Yes. <laughs> in the vault of monster collectibles, I got numerous messages from people talking about the Haunted Hulk. Oh. And how they think it's either the coolest thing ever or they thought it was the Incredible Hulk as well. <laughs> <laughs> And speaking of which, this is a good segue because it comes up in the voicemail from Steve Sullivan. Well, there's more to Michael Dodd's email. Oh, it kept going? Yeah. I oh. just stopped to talk about that part. Because oh, I thought it was done. No, I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm terrible at, at continuity. I just I just wanted to... What was that? They're banging on... They're building a Frankenstein's monster. What are they doing over there that they just hit so hard that well, the entire place is shaking? I don't... I don't know. Read the email. Okay. Brenda, I thought your voice sounded fine. For oh, this the- is why you wanted to read it. Now I'm getting a look. <laughs> <laughs> Brenda, I thought your voice sounded fine for the Vault of Monsters Collectibles segment. That's all done in post. Oh, did you? Were you able to modify it? I'm kidding. Oh, don't be hard on yourself and don't stress. It's all for fun anyway. I'm going to try to send in a few extra installments of the VOMC segment as time permits so you can have more flexibility to do them when you're feeling well. That way you can record them when you choose to and Derek can get some in the can, so to speak, as he wishes. We want it to be enjoyable for you and not seem like a chore. I think you and Derek are doing a great job with segments and it's an honor for me to get to contribute to a fun and worthwhile show like MKR. See ya. Michael Dodd. (sighs) I mean, I really appreciate that. I appreciate that. Mm -hmm. And it didn't feel like a chore. It felt like something I um, wanted to do because if I make a commitment, I, I only want to bow out of my commitment on days that I really, truly don't feel well and there are times where only one or two joints are affected and and I can totally function through that so I just didn't realize it had affected my voice box joint until it wakes me out to talk about the joint in your voice box (laughs) I mean it makes sense there's moving parts in there I get it but it just seems weird 
Yeah, there are some weird spots where you have joints that I didn't know until I started developing problems in them. There's a joint sort of um, left or right, depending on what hand, of your thumb inside your hand. It kind of lets you um, curve your hand inward like like a taco, not pulling your fingers in, but... How many people at home listening to this right now are now trying to curve their hand like a taco? <laughs> I know I'm trying to. I, I can't. Well, now I'm on a taco. So maybe that's not a good description. <laughs> if you hold the, your hand still and your thumb moves around, right? There's that joint there. Right. But hold your hand still. Take your hand away and your whole thumb can bend inwards towards your palm. Oh, right, right. Not okay. just the, the base thumb joint, but like the whole yeah yeah there's like a weird yeah right there's a joint in there and that one um for some reason it gets affected pretty easily for me and it swells up on the top of my hand and it itches and i never knew we had a joint in there until that started happening (laughs) anyways there's some there's some joints i was just unaware of anyways I really went off on a tangent there. Sorry. That's okay. Um, so he so, did send, he's got, I think we're ahead three segments from mm-hmm, him right now. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty awesome. Yes. And I like the idea then I could do it maybe when my uh, voice box isn't affected so I'm not as raspy because I think, you know, people listen to this with headphones and it's just, it maybe is grating. To listen I don't know, to that raspy voice kind of is kind of sexy. What? No. I'm just saying <laughs> that raspy voice. I'm just just it's like okay, being, all right, all right. <laughs> um, maybe maybe you could sit down and record all the segments while I'm out seeing the movie on Saturday afternoon. Maybe, <laughs> maybe I could because you also have to get ahead for Monster Bash, right? Again, I'm. Tr- this is because my energy level is intentionally low. I'm trying to be funny and and get zingers in, but really, it just sounds like I'm being a serious talker. But maybe you could do it then. Hmm? <laughs> Let me stroke my beard. Hmm, maybe you could do it. <laughs> Hint, <Intent. laughs> Hey, Derek, Brandon, all the monster kids out there. This is Steve Sullivan. Just calling to say hi. I wanted to thank you guys for the kind words that you and Frank said about me and my work on this last episode of Monster Kid Radio. It was completely unexpected and really touched my heart. Thank you, guys, and thank you for playing the White Zombie promo as well. That's always nice to hear, and uh, hadn't really thought about it much lately until Frank mentioned it on the show, so cool to hear it. The film sounded fun, film Champions of Justice. I've never seen it. I'm a little weak, more than a little weak, probably, on my Lucha movies. I've got a bunch, but I, there's so many more that I don't have. And uh, Mexican horror, in general, is not one of my stronger suits. But And this isn't strictly a, a horror movie, but it sounded fun. And I was lucky enough to find a really cheap copy on eBay of that as a double feature with another film about the Bermuda Triangle, I think. So I snatched that right up. I actually had The Haunted Hulk when I was a little kid, and it was my favorite bath toy. It was the coolest thing. Uh, God knows where it's gone over the years, but I had all the little monsters that went with it. The Wolfman figure was easily my favorite, uh, and there were a lot of other cool ones, too. Uh, there was, you know, a witch and a, an executioner and a Phantom of the Opera kind of guy and uh, a skeleton and uh, just all sorts of cool stuff. They were cool little plastic figures, and they were great bath toys. 
I miss it at these prices, though. I don't think I'll ever have one again unless someone uh, scans them and decides to release the printout versions, in which case maybe you can print your own, and wouldn't that be cool? That's about all I've got for now, and I know I'm hitting the three-minute limit. So take care. Steve Sullivan, signing off. That voicemail was less than two minutes long. <laughs> Do you have a three-minute limit? Google does. It's a Google voicemail, and they have a three-minute limit. Well, that's a bummer. But I always tell people, if you want to call and leave a longer voicemail, I will stitch them together. Mm. If you want to call more, if you don't mind calling more than once, I can do that. It's not a problem. Um, oh, what was I going to say? I just had a thought. Wouldn't it be cool if we had a 3D printer? And the the plans to print all these classic monster toys. That'd be so neat. What I think is, if we had a 3D printer, you would print so much stuff that we have no room for. Hesitate. Like, (laughs) is this a family show? Stuff (laughs) (laughs) that we do not have any room for. But it'd be cool. I know, but it would end up just like all your other toys, where. 95% 95% are in boxes and undisplayable. Yeah. I feel oh. like I just crushed your dream. Mm, you did. Oh. I guess I won't be buying the 3D printer anytime soon. Good. We don't have the finances for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, Steve, you know you're a heck of a writer, right? I'm just saying. You're the man. The man. Uh. Okay. Just, just saying, and and I love bringing other monster kids together. That, like, I don't know if Frank would have heard of Steve Sullivan's White Zombie book if not for MKR. And maybe I'm taking credit where I shouldn't. Mm. But like Frank Sheldon or Steve Sullivan traveled in circles that were not connected, mm. really. And then here we are. And I think that's awesome. Yeah. And I love doing that. And I hope people are buying Dwight Kemper's book and Brad Braddock's books and, and all this other stuff. Just because it's so good. I love the Monster Kid authors and creators I've surrounded myself with. I'm sure I'm forgetting a ton. Mm-hmm. But just it's awesome. And just I feel like while we knew Steve before with previous podcasts, right. uh, my relationship with Steve has just deepened through MKR. And it's awesome. Because you're not you're not in such a niche anymore. I'm still niche, just a different one. Just not as tiny? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. It's like you're stitching together people in this niche. Which is better than shipping them, like you accused me of doing a while back. So, <laughs> you know. SDSullivan.com <laughs> uh, yeah. is where you're going to find Steve. All right. I also like, I feel like Michael Dodd is giving people some guidelines around how much you should expect to pay and what issues you should be looking for. One of my favorite things about his segment is is that, and no pressure, you know, that you have to do it every time, but it's been really cool to have that in there. Very cool. The prices? Yeah. Yes. yes. Like condition guide type stuff, because there's not really... Like with comic books back in the day, you used to be able to get like an overstreet price guide. And I think he mentioned that when we talked about the magazine stuff last time. But yeah, there's not really a, I don't think there's like a book saying, here's your monster collectible price guide. And you'd go out of date right away anyway, because those things always fluctuate. So mm-hmm. yeah, within reason. So. I mean, the last one he talked about, if there was such a thing, it would stabilize the prices and cause them to climb. Well, I guess he did say that, didn't he? Right. Yeah. So maybe it would. 
it would give people like a more of a benchmark so you wouldn't see all the craziness that happens on eBay. Mm, maybe that's something Michael should do. Speaking of eBay, to make money. Go to eBay and look at my auctions. Goodness, <laughs> I meant to talk to you about just how much spam is on your Facebook page. Like, why? How come you aren't just providing a general link to what you're selling and describing it? Instead, you're providing individual links multiple okay, times. Okay, so I did it first as the full listings. But because of how Facebook grabs images, all they grabbed was the eBay logo. And I wanted to spotlight certain items. <laughs> so, Well, yes. That was a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know if people are actually from your community going and buying those things. The current high bid on one of those books is an MKRR. Oh, wow. Just saying. That's fantastic. Funding Monster Bash. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Funding my food. This is a John email, and I find them hilarious because he directs me. Oh, that's right. This yes. one's got direction. Hi, Derek. I'm following direction, Derek. What is the direction? <laughs> Pause to give Derek a chance to say hi. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> I traveled back in time to MKR 19 Ooh, Wow! without the help of H.G. Wells, but with science. <laughs> I have a terrible maniacal laugh. But that was the stage direction, and I think you did your best. I'm trying to think if I could have a better maniacal laugh. Not my really loud, crazy one. No. That's just crazy. It is. I mentioned in a previous email... I was a few hundred episodes behind, and I am slowly catching up. I have some serious downtime at work. I just finished listening to episode 19, and your guest was Paul McComas, the biggest fan of Lon Chaney Jr. <laughs> Toward the end of the cast, Paul shared about his teenage girlfriend and her tragic end. He apologized for taking the cast to a dark place. My reply is, thank you, Paul, for keeping it real. It's through these fun, scary movies that I've escaped my reality for two hours at a time. But the movies become more than just an escape. They become coping mechanisms. So thank you, Paul, for scratching away some gloss and exposing the reality underneath. Thank you, Derek, for keeping it real and sharing more than just movie talk, but also sharing the human side of Monster Kids. Still looking forward to meeting you in person at the convention in June that I won't mention. <laughs> Don't want it to get too crowded and lose its charm. John, there are thousands of us. You can use my name, Murray. <laughs> <laughs> Do people know that I work in privacy? That's my job, HIPAA. <laughs> so I'm hyper aware of this. But indeed, there are thousands of people with most with similar names yes yes episode 19 i didn't realize I, i'd have to go back and check i i know paul was on some earlier episodes mm. but i didn't realize it went all the way back to episode 19 Yay, and that's back when i was you. doing two episodes a week where i was just cutting it in half so Oy. so that was what eight weeks in wow that's a couple months i guess yeah i was gonna say that would be nine in so that's nine weeks yeah yeah okay you know, and I feel like you can get that that kind of, there's some escapism to these movies. Oh, yeah. Well, I feel like any movie or show is. Well, they are, but I feel yeah. like it's definitely different. Like you and I, you like to watch some of the more modern horror stuff. You know, the mm. good stuff, not the the bad, Boy, silly stuff. I, but, hate, I, mean, I don't have time to spend on that stuff. Right. And it is a different vibe. It is a different feel 
than some of the older stuff that I love so much. It's an escapism thing. It's, I don't know, there's a, I don't know, it's just different. With the older stuff? Yeah. I prefer movies that have realistic endings. I hate the movies where everybody walks away with a rainbow in the background. (laughs) That's not my life. I have zero interest. (laughs) (laughs) So we need a horror movie that ends with the hero walking away with rheumatoid arthritis. (laughs) That's that's for Brenda to like. (laughs) No. I'm sure glad I survived the monster invasion, but now I have R.A. Somebody get my Humera. (laughs) (laughs) It's injection time, baby. (laughs) (laughs) What if the Humera is what staves off the monster? You know, like vampires have holy water. That's way too expensive. Humera is way too expensive. That's why the vampire or the monsters would, you know, have a a leg up on the, I don't know. And then you're choosing between your your weekly treatment versus the monster. Like, can I hide successfully for a week and take my RA treatment? Yes. (laughs) This is a terrible concept. (laughs) This sounds like a great monster movie that somebody should make. And all those medications have to stay refrigerated. So you better hope. (laughs) It doesn't happen in Arizona. (laughs) (laughs) The no electricity goes out. Oh man, that'd be it, right? Right. The monsters would just have to go trip the breaker. Right. You're screwed. You inject them, and five minutes later, they're still there because your medication, which is a living, I think they have like living um, biological stuff. Biologics, yeah, they're biologics. Yeah. Um, they're all dead, and so you're just in, you know, they get a mild allergic reaction. So I'm or just something. imagining the monster goes and trips the breaker, and it's like, okay, now we have to wait six hours for the refrigerator to warm up. <laughs> Keep them in the house so they can't figure out a solution. <laughs> But man, I don't want to go through the allergy reaction again. <laughs> it stings, man. I hate getting injected. <laughs> oh, Me man. too. What, what are we talking about? I don't know. What is wrong with us? I don't know, man. We're we're recording this and the sun's still out, kind of. Oh, is that the problem? We normally record at night. Oh, where we're, what, powered down and don't have the energy to... I don't know. Go off on maladaptive daydreams. <laughs> Do we want to talk about what what Paul what Paul was talking about in number nineteen? Oh, I don't know. Um, I don't think you've shared with me what that real reality is behind that. Um, there was some sexual assault. Mm, oh, I did know this about Paul. Yeah, and uh, she she took her own life. Yeah, and. Uh, it sucks, and sorry to take it dark, um, but you know the way that Paul has honored her since yeah. has been pretty impressive, all the it's work amazing. that he does. He does an incredible amount yeah. of work. Yeah. And I feel like, as a man doing that work, the expectations are very high, mm-hmm. and he meets them. And exceeds them. And exceeds them. The work yes. that he does is, is pretty incredible. I'll, I'll, make, I'll make sure there's a link in the show notes to his website. I think it's just paulmccomas.com. Um, but I'll make sure there's a link there if there's not already in the permalink section of the website. Mm. Just people can check it out, see what he's up to. You know, check out his books too. I mean, yeah. he's great, another one of those great authors. Right. But he's also got links to all the work that he's been doing there too. I think right now he's been focusing a lot on music lately. Mm. And did it link to how he became interested in these kind of movies? Or? No, he grew up loving these movies. Mm. He, he, as a kid, he grew up watching. And in fact, uh, the girlfriend appeared in some of his childhood stuff. 
Oh. So. Hmm. Yeah. Man. So I don't know if that made the connection to the movie stronger mm. or, or what, but I mean, I view them as, as escapism. I, mean, I enjoy them on so many levels. Mm. And, and I know you and I kind of view them a little differently. You know, there's no way I could get you to sit through Manos, the Hands of Fate. I think you would get a couple minutes in and if that and then be done. But I am transfixed by that movie. Mm. I watch it straight, man. I don't need the commentary from MSC3K. I just love it for what it is. I have, because I have so much less time available to me because of the increased need for sleep and how much longer it takes me to do things. I am pretty protective of the time mm-hmm. that I spend. And so if it starts to feel like cheesy or I am not invested or into the movie because there's so much distracting, I just I don't want to spend my time on that. I've got things that I, I want to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I should be at that same place. No, because <laughs> it's so much of who you are. It really is. I mean, I, I love this stuff so much. It, it makes me happy. I don't think we've talked about this on the show. I think we mentioned it in a conversation we were having with Scott and Tracy that there was one time early in the morning I was up and I was up on the treadmill and I had this really bad, cheesy Japanese slasher movie on. And you were so judgmental. Wait, was it the one where... Like a head went flying off into the sun or something like no. that? Do you <laughs> know what that. I'm talking about? Yeah, that was Hell Driver. <laughs> no, it was before that. This oh. was a, I forget the name of it, but I was watching it and you were so judgmental and, and mad because I think I woke you up because oh. it was in the morning and you came in and you were like, yes. this is how you want to spend your time. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like I'm better about that now, oh, but... Yes, I look in at, retrospect, you were right. <laughs> I look at some of those and I think just how, you know, you could spend your time exploring these movies, other movies that are sort of better than that one. <laughs> <laughs> but this is what you choose to do. <laughs> yeah. So um, as we kind of wind up here, I said something about Scott and Tracy. Mm. I want to give a huge virtual pod hug to my brother Scott and my sister Tracy. Yeah. They're amazing people. They've mentioned this on Facebook, so I, I feel it's okay to, to say on the podcast that Scott's father passed away. It was kind of sort of unexpected. Right. Uh, there were some complications from a surgery, and it was not planned, and it really just a confluence confluence is that the word a convergence of just terrible things happening during the recovery process and um he was in the hospital for about a week it seems Mm -hmm. like i don't need to go into any more details i I don't know any more details but as of the day we're recording this there's a viewing Mm -hmm. there's going to be a viewing tomorrow as well um i know a lot of you are friends with scott on facebook so you may have already heard this or seen Mm -hmm. this or friends with tracy even because she's mentioned it as well but when they eventually hear this, if they hear this, I just want to say what I said to Scott via Fox, the Voxer app, that while we've only met his father like, briefly, twice in passing, I think it's only been twice, um, if the kind of person Scott is now is at all indicative indicative, or, or uh, a result of who his father was, his father was a hell of a guy. Mm-hmm. And, yes. Uh, you know, I'm sorry, man. And, you know, I love you. 
it hurts my heart some of the things Scott had to witness and go through. Mm-hmm. But I am proud that he was there yeah. through that. It's amazing. And um, if you want to leave condolences on Chuck Morris's wall, um, the funeral has a digital wall where you can leave a remembrance. Mm-hmm. And Scott uh, linked the obituary that will lead you to the place where you can leave condolences. I believe it's uh, Parson Memorial in Muncie, mm-hmm. Indiana. Mm-hmm. You can look that up online, too, because I know mm-hmm. some listeners aren't on Facebook. So. Ah, okay. Um, so, yeah. So, Scott, I'm sorry, man. And we love you. We really do. And on that note, Brenda, thank you for joining us. Yes, what a sad this, note to end on. I know, I know, but I don't I don't want to cheapen it by saying, and then I go watch a monster movie to feel better. But, right. you know, I mean, these movies are kind of an escape. And they're, they're also something that kind of bring people together, too. I mean, I was kind of alluding to this earlier about mm-hmm. Frank and Steve and all that. And, mm-hmm. you know, these movies, this community is amazing. Mm-hmm. And. I hope Scott and Tracy feel and know that they've got a community here as well. Right. Just kind of thinking of them. Right. So the community's awesome. You guys and gals are awesome. It's My amazing. wife's awesome for being part of the show <laughs> and kind of sort of being part of the community by proxy. By proxy. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't get your monster kid card until you watch Monos with me is what I'm, oh, I'm saying. Oh, well, I guess I'm never going to have my monster <laughs> kid card. <laughs> what were we watching? Oh, Thanos, Hands of Fate. What? Somebody was talking about Thanos and something we were watching, and I couldn't remember it was Mono's Hands of Fate, so I just said Thanos' Hands of Fate. <laughs> it's amazing. So there is some original artwork out there somewhere where somebody took uh, a Mono's piece of artwork and made it Thanos. That's right. It's amazing. Is he wearing the... Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I haven't watched the movie yet, but he really does seem to take people's fate into his own hands. <laughs> no spoilers. No spoilers. I don't... Actually, I do know the end of it. Oh, no, really? Yeah. I didn't tell you. Everything has to be even. Well, now you're spoiling for other people. No, what does that have to do with anything? Just stop talking. Have you seen the action figures of... (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Somebody is a genius. Somebody should have come up with that. (laughs) Thanks, hon. Love you. So that brings us to the end of this episode of Monster Kid Radio. Big thanks to Brenda for being part of the feedback again this week. Love having her on board. Love having her add her voice to the mix and getting that extra voice here on the show. Of course, if you want to have your email read by her, all you got to do is shoot me an email at monsterkidradio at gmail.com. Or if you want to hear her respond to a voicemail, you can call and leave us a message at 503-479-5657. That's 503-479-5MKR. That is a Google voicemail. As we said earlier, it's got a three-minute limit. But if you call and you end up getting cut off and call back, I will edit your voicemails together. It'll sound like one long, continuous thing. People will be like, wow, that's more than three minutes. I don't know if people would be or not. But if you want to call and leave a longer than three-minute message, feel free to do so. I'll take care of you and make you sound good. Speaking of sounding good, Brenda, once again, thank you for doing this. And I can say this, even though she's not in the room, I really mean it. I, it's so awesome that she's part of the show now. It makes I mean, it just makes MKR that much better for me. It's not that it wasn't great before, because it was, but now now I've got her. Uh, just it's awesome. So isn't she great? 
And of course, big thanks to Jason from Bots, Bugs, and Babes for sending in his own version of the Classic Five with his father. I played the promo for Bots, Bugs, and Babes earlier. Y'all should check it out, especially since I'm on the most recent episode. Okay, actually, it's not just because of me, but the show was a lot of fun. Check it out at twotruefreaks.com. I was on an episode talking about one of my beloved Universal Monster movies. It was a treat to hop on over there and chat about, well one of my favorite Universal films. Thanks again, Jason. Uh, what's coming up on the show next week? We have another Luchador monster movie, and this time, oh boy. <laughs> coming to us from the podcast X Meets Y is Jonathan and Buddy, and he is bringing us a movie that is, I guess, referred to on the internet as Santo versus The Blob. It also is known as Santo Versus the killers from other worlds, uh, Santo contra los asesinos uh, de otros mundos. I butchered the heck out of that. But yeah, just look up Santo versus the blob. It'll come up. It is amazing. And I can't wait to share that with you guys and gals next week. So that's coming up. Also coming up in the near future, we have quite a few things happening in the Portland, Oregon area. I've talked about it before. I want to talk about it again. Uh, Victoria Price is doing a signing at the Powell's store here in Beaverton of her book, The Way of Being Lost, A Road Trip to Your Truest Self. That's happening on Wednesday, May 23rd at 7 p.m. I know I'm going to be there. I know a handful of other Monster Kid radio regulars. Where are the irregulars? Well, I know there's plans for other people to be there as well. I'd love to meet up with you. I think it'd be a blast to listen to Victoria tell her amazing story with some amazing monster kids. It'll be a treat. I'm looking forward to that. So that's coming up. This weekend, we've got something coming up. The Northwest Film Center here in the Portland, Oregon area is showing the seventh voyage of Sinbad, and I'm crashing it Saturday afternoon, 2 p.m. Follow the world's greatest superhero into a death-shrouded island swarming with hellish monsters and fortunes of fabulous treasures. See The Seventh Voyage of Sinbad. Freeze in your seat as Sinbad battles the living skeleton, the one-eyed cyclops, the fire-breathing dragon, the slithering cobra woman, and all to save the life of a princess who's the size of a tiny doll. See The Seventh Voyage of Sinbad, filmed in Dinorama from Columbia Pictures, rated G, general audiences. So this Saturday, if you're in the area... I'd love to meet you, man. Come join us for the seventh voyage of Sinbad on the big screen in the Witzel Auditorium. It's happening right in the middle of the day, so you still have your evening ahead of you. It's going to be awesome. I'm looking forward to that. And I know Chris McMillan, Monster Kid Radio Irregular. I really need to decide what we're going to call people that have been on the show more than once. But I know that Chris is talking about being there as well. I don't know if anybody else is, but uh, if you are, I'd love to meet you. Of course, there are links to these things. At our website, again, monsterkidradio.net is where you're going to want to go to learn everything you need to know about Monster Kid Radio between episodes or even while you listen. <sighs> also, make sure there's links in the show notes where you can buy your own copy of Victoria Price's book through Amazon or the Mexican Masked Wrestler and Monster Filmography book or the Mexploitation Cinema book that Mark and I referenced in this episode as well as last week's episode. If you buy those through the Amazon links, I get like a buck or two. Also, I, I think that, that might be generous, actually. Also, I'll make sure there's a link to the Zazzle store. I don't do as much on Zazzle as I used to because we started doing our T-shirts through Public. However, Zazzle still has a few products that uh, we can't get anywhere else, like the I Break for Monsters bumper sticker that you can get in the Zazzle monster kid shop i'll make sure there's a link to that in the show notes as well something else that you can find at our website over on the right underneath the head of rondo hatton from the 2014 rondo award that i won a couple years back there's a place where you can put in your email address to subscribe to the monster kid radio gazette monthly e-newsletter 
I've had a lot of people sign up for that newsletter lately. I have not done the newsletter in a long time. <laughs> I haven't put anything out. And I don't know if I want to go monthly with it or not at this point. I should probably look into changing that up. But my question for you, dear listener, what do you want out of this email list? I mean, I could send you promotional material, stuff that I've got coming up. And I've got a few things coming up that I haven't talked about here on the show yet. I can send you show notes from previous episodes. But I'm curious, what do you want out of this e-newsletter? And, and I'd like to try to cater it to what you guys and gals want to get from Monster Kid Radio on a monthly or maybe bi-monthly basis. And on that note, I'd like to go ahead and wrap up and remind you that Monster Kid Radio is a registered service mark of Monster Kid Radio, LLC. All original content of Monster Kid Radio by Monster Kid Radio, LLC is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, uh, 3.0 unported license. Of course, that doesn't apply to the song Ray Del Ring. That belongs to the really cool surf band Los Espantos from Rosaria, Argentina. You can find them at losespantos.bandcamp.com. It's on their album, also called Los Espantos. You can pick it up, 13 tracks. All of them are cool. I'm partial to this one. And if you're at the beginning of the episode where I played it, I think you probably know why. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to everybody next week. My name is Derek M. Cook. Ciao.